Lieutenant, the standing robot is ready for battle. I'm ready. Let me use it to defeat our enemies. You? No, you're not the destined one. What about me? I want to control that amazing robot champion. You? You're not destined to do anything but be cannon fodder. What about that guy over there? The one we'll never talk to, you know, who likes to fire people for the fun of it. Yes! You fools are destined to do one thing. You will follow that guy and watch him try to fulfill his destiny without being able to influence it in any way. Except maybe perhaps kill him one day. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, number 146, The White Knight on his Chronicles. This is your favorite podcast from, that where we talk about your favorite computer and console RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. I'm your host, Phil Willis, and this is your other host, Mr. Mike Meeky. I'm such a good host that I don't even need to introduce myself now. Phil just does it for me. That's Isn't it nice to know? <laughs> Yeah, that way I don't have to edit out the awkward pauses while I'm waiting for you to say your name. Uh, okay, uh, I'm sorry. I'll, like, totally come up with something awesome to say next time, you know, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's how it goes, you know. It's, I'm awesome! Hey, and how we and don't forget the part where you have to be psychic so that you know exactly when I'm going to introduce you in. Yeah, today you're going to have something to do with uh, that incident in the hotel you were just telling us about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Mike, if you were truly psychic, then you would have foreseen the return of one of the great legends, Mr. Nathan Schlothen. And yet, my name is mispronounced again. <laughs> Why don't you to feel welcome? <laughs> Hello, are, you su- are you surprised at this point, Nathan? No, no, okay. I'm not. See, at, le- at least Phil is consistent. Give him that. 
Yes, yes, yes. And you're not the only name we're going to slaughter today as we introduce Mr. Alex Emptier. Hello. Hi, Alex. How you doing, buddy? Tired. Tired or excited to talk about White Knight Chronicles? No, tired. <laughs> That's right. Today we are we are talking about White Knight Chronicles and a White Knight Chronicles too. We might even have a, a a blast from the recent past section tonight. We'll see. Uh, we definitely will have a final lap. We got lots of things to talk about. Got so many things to do. So we're not going to hesitate. We're not going to procrastinate. We are, in fact, going to take a musical break. We'll be right back. Welcome to the main event where we pick a game or series of games and just dive into all kinds of details about the gameplay, the plot, the characters, and much, much more. We're going to talk about White Knight Chronicles I mentioned earlier. We would also talk about White Knight Chronicles too. and apparently I've been informed during the break that there's a uh, there's another game in the series that we'll give a brief mention to at the end, but we don't want to spoil anything we spoil things on the show but you know we'll save that till later on uh first we're going to talk about white knight chronicles developed by level five published by sony computer entertainment this was uh released on the playstation 3 in north america on february the 2nd 2010 this is a single player and co-op third person view rpg experience and oh boy, this 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 game, man! When it came out, man, I mean, wow! This went all over the the social media sites. The most awesome rock and RPG ever made. The must own title of 2010 for the PS3. I mean, this was the game that holy cow! I had to go stand in line for like two hours right behind the Call of Duty guys just to get a copy. Okay, I kid. You you own it, Phil? I didn't no. know that. <laughs> yeah, it's right here. It's underneath my drink. It makes a nice coast. No, no, I don't own it. Um, no, actually, I was joking. That was all sarcasm in jest. I, I, I still remember how the like, at the local Fry's Electronics where I go to buy games when I want to. This there's like 24 copies of this that just sit unsold for like years after this game is released. So sorry, just, I have to wait in line for it. Just. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wait in line for it. Uh, I'm sure if you go to the right place, you can definitely find a way to wait in line for it. I don't know what yeah. place that would be, but uh, find a place that has terrible customer service and is only open an hour a day, and that might be a good start. Yeah. I'm... Where do I even start with this? It... I mean, I can tell you is that a lot of the reviews and the few one friend I had that got it didn't really give me warm fuzzies about it. Perhaps you guys can change my mind today, right? You're going to okay. tell me just how awesome yeah. this game is. For me, this is the weird game which I really did genuinely like White Knight Chronicles. 
I really did. I mean, looking at and the screenshots, I, it kind of looks like Xenoblade or something. Um, yeah, it's actually very similar to Xenoblade in eight in, in respects, and similar to Prophecy Twelve in some respects. However, you know, this is a game which has like all of the problems of Prophecy Twelve, and not some of the advantages. So it's got some advantage of its own, but some problems. And I remember you were you were not a fan of Twelve. No, I was not a fan of Twelve. I mean, <laughs> not at all. And this is, well, okay, this is a game very similar to Final Fantasy Twelve. Just straight off the bat, the more you try to get out of this game, the less it's going to give you. And that's the That's encouraging. Of, yeah, it's like, if you just rush through the story and, have, and just enjoy, try to enjoy the story, I mean, it's not the best story ever, but at least it's a fun game for the, yeah. whatever amount of time it takes you to be. It's a story gonna... that still has a bit of potential. <laughs> yeah, the story has, it has potential. It's got some, some good animations, great music at times, some fun characters at times, decent combat at times. It's not great, but it's not horribly offensive. It's like, you know, if you love RPGs and you don't expect too much out of it, it's okay. That's the praise I'll give this game. And if you rush How... through it, you're looking at what? 20 hours or so, or even less? Uh, 20, 20, 25 hours, I think. Yeah, something okay. like that. But the thing is, if you rush through it, you're not getting a complete story. Yeah, no, this game was basically the great story of White Knight Chronicles. Level 5 goes out and somehow convinces Sony to you know, pay them to make this game. They promise that they'll create this giant super game, which will you know, be awesome, and they'll be so good that they'll want to make an entire series of it. And, well... What really happens is that they hit, you know, the same problem everyone else hit when they started making HD development. It got expensive, <laughs> it got difficult, and this is, game was basically, you know, Level 5's learning curve on how to make HD games. And as a result, it, it suffers from it. Most notably, it wasn't done. As a result, Level 5 went back to making PS games. Yeah. <laughs> they, they eventually made Nino Kuni, which was received a lot better, but... In the meantime, they made this, and, you know, well, it wasn't done, and so it spun off, so the second half was going to be released as White Knight Chronicles 2 at a later date. And so we only get really the first half of the story in this game. Uh, this is the good half. And this is the good half, <laughs> yes. So, oh my! Oh yeah, so we'll, we'll oh, get to that well, later. <laughs> we'll get to that later, but yeah. This is the good half. And, you know, there's some things to like in here. Like, basically, well, I guess I might as well go for the story then. Um, you are generic unnamed avatar person. That is your main character. You ah, create your what a own memorable name. <laughs> you uh, create your own character to serve as your avatar in these games. You know, we'll get into later, but this is ties into the game's main original online features. You However, get quite a lot of customization on your character for this. Yeah, one. actually, I really that. like this game's character customizer. You know, I think one of the nice things about this game it's got a great character customizer. I uh, like, I like it a lot more than say Bioware's effort. You can't quite get a photorealistic face with it, but you know you have much more customization, like like the length of limbs, your body's proportion, kind of some pretty crazy easy use facial modification. Just it's simple to use and fun unless you you know really mess their characters look. So I like it. Uh, thus, however, okay, so great great character creation. Yeah, good character creation. However, you know, I will say that you know, you start your character, your character is introduced to the beginning of the game and joins the party. That is about the full extent of the, your main character's actual role in the story in this game. Yeah, the character is there. That's your story. 
Well, uh, come on. There have been millions of people who were just there throughout history. <laughs> they watched important events happen. They didn't play any great role in them, but they were there seeing it well, happen. Yeah, well, they, that's your role in the story. You are the person who is there, following along everyone else in the story, not contributing anything of value. Other than yeah, remember, remember when the president was inaugurated? I was there. I was watching. <laughs> I heard him speak. So, yeah, that's the main character, the person who is there. Uh, well, I guess the real main story, main character of the story is Leonard. Who, yeah, he's a... We, you know, okay, Leonard. I, I'll have to get into my true feelings on him when we talk about the second game, because that's where maximum Leonard occurs. But... <laughs> This is a phrase I have never heard before. I'm sure it will <laughs> enter the annals of legend now. <laughs> yeah, and not well, Maximum Leonard Cohen, because that's something very different. <laughs> well, let's say Maximum Leonard is not a good thing, and I'll just leave you with that tease. Uh, Wait, but what if it's Leonard Nimoy? You know, yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Aww. Okay, see, I'm trying here, I'm trying to look at the bright side, and you're just shooting me down. That You're just being very cruel right now. Get used well, to it. Okay. <laughs> the, the, some of the maximum, the bright side of this game actually occurs pretty early because, you know, I'll say one thing. The villains in this game have their moments, and some of their best moments are right in the beginning. And so, but I'm getting a little husband. Um, Leonard is, he works in a wine shop. He's a nobody. That's his origin story. He's got a childhood friend. <laughs> yeah, he's got a childhood friend who's totally in love with him, and he's completely oblivious to the entire length of the game. Because does that get resolved in the second game, or is it just um, <laughs> no? In the second game, he remains completely oblivious. At okay. no point does this obliviousness ever change. Because Leonard has all of one character trait, just one. He is absolutely infatuated with the princess. He hardly knows her, but he's absolutely oh, the, oh, infatuated. Oh, the princess! Wow, yes, that, the there's, princess. An, there's an original love interest. Well, basically, you know, the start of the game is he's a wine merchant laborer. He so. He fetches some wine. This is an annoyingly long side quest, actually, at the right at the beginning of the game. Yeah, he's basically delivering wine for the for the for banquet. The, yeah, the bit, yeah. royal banquet celebrating the birthday of the princess. And so you go, you fetch the wine, you come back, you sneak. And Leonard says, "You know, I'm delivering this wine. I want to see the princess." So he sneaks into the royal banquet to see the princess. And shortly after, he does, and he and his friends are raiding the, the little cakes they're serving at the banquet. Uh, well. The mysterious evil organization attacks. I mean, there's a little other way to describe this group, the Magi, who are the villains of this game, as just the mysterious evil organization. They I don't know, Magi, Magi is nearly as generic. <laughs> They're just guys in black armor who come in on an airship and attack the castle for a completely mysterious and unknown reason. And there's they rush in, kill the king, kill the king, uh, kill the archduke who rules the foreign country who's visiting at the time, and well, that's its own side plot which goes nowhere, so I'm not just regard it. Anybody else? The that, um, well, then everybody mostly, in their way? Everyone in their way, but you know, there's faceless generic characters who don't do much. Yeah, nobody cared about them. Their parents didn't even name them. They didn't have parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, A bunch of well, nameless and, orphans who got employed at the castle and then got killed, and there's no one to mourn them. Yeah, in the midst of this, just as the evil General Draghi has killed the king, uh, Leonard rushes in and rescues the princess, right? She's going to be cut down by a soldier, and takes her there and flees into the basement. And there you head down and meet, well, the title character of this game, the White Knight, which is, well, a giant suit of armor, really big. <laughs> yeah, it's about 50 foot. <laughs> yeah, big five, 50 foot tall suit of 
gleaming white armor, which has been recovered by the kingdom of Yurin, the kingdom of Balandor, just for the record. And uh, is it sentient or is there a being inside? There is. Well, well, it's, it's sort kind of, of that, complicated. Sort of merges with it, yeah. Yeah, basically, Leonard basically puts on. There's a bit of hubbub of well, how there's an ancient seal that kills anyone who touches the armor and whatnot, but Leonard is somehow immune to it, so he puts on the magic gauntlet which controls the armor, and thus he fuses with it and transforms into the White Knight, this giant towering warrior, 50 foot tall, who's, you know, he's 50 foot tall and disproportionately strong for his size. It's actually pretty darn impressive cool. how war- the, when it's actually used. I'll yeah. get into a bit later. So this is one of basically, my convenient things. chosen one happens. Yeah, basically, Leonard is conveniently the chosen one who can control the armor, and uses it to basically defeat all the invaders attacking the castle on their giant... Well, basically, under the guise of sneaking in as a troop of performers and acrobats, they basically disguise a giant six-legged monster... Well, giant four-legged monstrosity with a cannon on its back as a... Well, as their circus tent. And basically, you get to fight that off. Which everyone travels with completely unfurled. Circus tents do not compress for easy travel. (laughs) Well, yeah, so, yes, Leonard is the chosen one. He now possesses the almighty power of the White Knight, which has been the target of the uh, evil group, the Magi. And there he learns that there are, well, four other knights, and the, it's the Magi are trying to use the power, the mysterious secret power of the princess, who has the ability to unseal these knights, to go around and try to get all the other one. And that is the story of the rest of this game. The Magi try to use the princess to unseal the knights, and you go after them. Oh, yeah, yes, because the business gets captured at the end, of course. <laughs> yes, you rescue the princess, and then, you know, the prin- they just kind of grab the princess behind the hero's back, right, as, as he's, you know, beating up all their soldiers. And... Well, they could have killed her, I guess, but ob- no, they wanted well, to do the... something less less cliched. <laughs> yeah, they just no, didn't want to yeah, use her magic she was conveniently power. another chosen one, so she couldn't do that. <laughs> yep. Okay, here's the, the quick bit of backstory that the game kind of unfurls, you know, somewhat awkwardly. Basically, long ago, 10,000 years prior to the start of this game, in, they couldn't go with the cliche 1,000, it had to be 10,000. There existed the dogma, in which two great empires, Athwan and Ishrenia, were at war. Athwan was basically the land of magic, and we don't know much about them. Apparently they had a giant white wolf or something, we only see like a picture of them. All we know is that the queen of the Athwan was the victor of the war, and that she died sometime after the war and was reincarnated as the princess, Princess Sina, who, you know, the her- damsel in distress of this game. Meanwhile, the other force, Ishrenia, was basically a people who used all kinds of machines and demons and created the Five Knights, the invincible ultimate warriors of Ishrenia, which were sealed away by Athwan. And they lost that war, but they've been basically for the last 10,000 years still kind of hidden in the background, scheming and waiting for their chance to come back and defeat the Athwani. And the Magi are basically the... Well, in the second game, they call themselves the Ishrenians, so they're the Ishrenians. I, I don't know how they managed to recruit that many people to go around and, wear, and fight for the cause of a 10,000-year-old dead empire, and they never explain this, but they're there. Um, so, yeah, basically, the rest of the game is you go around to different places, recruit a couple new party members, and basically chase after the kidnapped princess and try to get her back, and you only succeed right in the final battle of this game. And I'm cutting out a lot there, including some cool stuff, but that's it. This is a, that's not yeah, really you, tra- comp- you travel through various places, nothing. Yeah. There's a lot of traveling. This is the main thing that, com- com- that has in common with Fallout 12. All you're doing is traveling. <laughs> it's like, you have, the reason you have to go across a giant field, you're just trying to get somewhere else. Go through the cave, you're just trying to get somewhere. Go across the desert, you're trying to get somewhere else. It's, 
you know, you're not actually, you know, doing cool things, which is trying to get to a place where you might theoretically do something. And well, well, are the places in uh, nice to look at? Is it nice to look through at this field and go, ooh, there's a butterfly, ooh, well, there's a fairy dog hole? Um, yes <laughs> and no. Some, yeah. <laughs> yes and no, I guess is the answer. Like, there's some areas which are kind of nice and pretty, but if kind of, you know, samey across their length. Yeah, other, they, they like, look nice, but they're not particularly fun to explore. Yeah, they're, they're pretty, but they're not really interesting. And then there's some which just aren't even really pretty. And there's, there's one area which is actually really interesting, because it's kind of split between an above-ground area, which is kind of a bare and kind of dry wasteland, and an underground, which is kind of cold, watery caverns. You move between to explore. However, you know, that's an interesting concept, but in practice, it's the worst slog of the area <laughs> in this entire game. Hate going through it. I love good ideas that pan out terribly in practice. Doesn't everyone? <laughs> yeah, well, that that's kind of this game in a nutshell, sadly. Uh, okay, I think that means you're ready to lead into how do you fight things, because I'm assuming that there will be things you have to fight on the way. Yeah, this game is filled with enemies, of which, look, there are... Well, there's about ten of them. <laughs> yeah, there's about ten things you fight. There's is that different palette swaps, very... or... Just ten well, it total. Not not counting uh, the palette swaps, of which everything has numerous palette swaps. You have yeah, to there's, there's about five palette swaps of each of them. <laughs> yeah, there's about well, okay, there's about three palette swaps in this game. The second game introduces the other two palette swaps for each one. Um, the second game so does got, also introduce a whole new two more enemies. Yeah, it, well, like, it's it's great got... to hear that the second half adds so much new content. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I want to cry thinking about it honestly, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, yeah, basically, like the, to put a shorthand, you will fight a lot of spiders, and their variants: the water spider, the spider, or the water spider makes up, I swear, like a fourth of the enemies I fight in the game. It's also okay. the sun okay. spider, and. <laughs> I can think of a lot of spiders right now. I can think of black widows, daddy longlegs, tarantulas, uh, the, the little ballooning spiders in the air, <laughs> uh, wolf spiders, the, the spitting spiders. I, I'm going to guess that it sounds like level five with a whole distance include every possible type of spider in this game if you're going to fight that. No, many. no. I, well, assuming it's level the spider, four and the water spider, and maybe the sand yeah. spider. And, and they've got the dire spider giant 100 foot long bird, which are, you know, okay, arachnophobes, you may want to avoid this game, but. Yeah, well, that, that's uh, nice. If you enlarge the foe, then it is definitely not a recycled design at all, because you can see each polygon underneath it, right? Well, no, it is a completely new design, which actually is a very different looking big thing. Oh, okay. Which, okay, I'll say this game basically enemies come in two varieties there's the small enemy and the large enemy the small enemies are basically human sized and designed to be fought by humans the large enemies are well their own thing they're these big things that unlike normal enemies they're split to different targetable parts and they're more on the scale of the giant knights because you know you can transform the giant knights mid battle and that's okay the one real bright spot in this game the one thing I think it does kind of well is the whole different scales of these enemies and the different forms of human versus the giant knights of well, okay, you get two giant knights. Then you get Leonard's white knight, and later on you get Caesar, who's you know a kind of fun character who you know doesn't really get enough great material to work off of. Yeah, he's probably the most interesting character of the lot. <laughs> Basically, one interesting plot this game has, and he's half of it. And you know he's got the dragon knight, the big red knight, as dragon wing can fly, even though you can't really do that in the story. And you can does the story, but not actually in gameplay. Uh, so yeah, that's your two knights. You get the white knight and the red knight, the red dragon knight. 
and you can use these to fight off all kinds of giant monsters, from trolls to the giant spiders, as mentioning to golems, um, trance, uh, the giant griever bugs. Um, yeah, well, uh, fighting these giant monsters, I think, is really like the most fun I have in this, because they're kind of interesting, because they react to how you fight, because they've got the multiple parts, so if you just run up and stab them with your sword, you'll only hit them in the knee and barely do any damage, but if you do that enough, you can knock them down, so they're kind of kneeling down so you can hit their stomach, but also you have moves to jump up to hit one step higher, so, for example, you could... So, for example, if you knock it to kneel down, how you can stab it in the stomach or jump up to hit it in the head. These different, you know, targets have different vulnerabilities and different how much effective your weapons are and overall, you know, it's not the deepest combat system, but it's you know, just kind of fun and yeah, it's almost MMO-esque yeah, I mean, yeah, the game is definitely looks... it's borrowing a few pages from okay, White Knight Chronicles borrows a page from just about everything, and that's kind of where it goes wrong, it kind of wants to be Fall Fantasy 12 kind of wants to be a bit like an MMO it it borrows a lot from Monster Hunter, but like in totally the worst way possible. And it doesn't understand how trying to be Fossey 12 and trying to be Monster Hunter at the same time doesn't work. But that's really where this game goes wrong. And I'll have to get into that. Well, we're going to talk about the online features, but that's a little bit later. Yeah, so I think you, it's basically sort of real time, but you get, I think you get 21 command sort of slots where you can put in various skills and mm-hmm. such. Yeah, controls well a lot like Xenoblade in that you can use the directional pad to select action. I mean, we confirm yeah, it, to select while you can yeah, move around. Yeah, it's actually sort of me- yeah, the skills are sort of menu driven, but you're moving around with the analog stick and so forth. Yeah, you can both select various attacks from acts from the they've pre-selected and or also kind of you've kind of pre-built combo attacks, which are also kind of a neat thing that you can basically. You've got all these different moves you can unlock in the game, and by kind of linking them together into a thing called a combo attack, you can just pay a much heavier upfront cost to do a lot more damage. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing of being that well, each character can build up, like, there's, what, six different weapons, I think? Swords, long swords, axes, um, yes, bows, spears, wands, and staves. Plus also either healing magic or elemental magic. And basically, every time you level up, you get a few points to spend on different moves and skill trees. But uh, some characters are barred from using... Most story characters are barred from using two different weapons. But, it's well, the only the avatar can use all of the weapons. Yeah, um, that's right. But generally speaking, any character who wants to specialize in one and get a couple skills from healing magic and elemental magic and whatnot. Yeah, yeah um... Stuff Jesus quite... is sounding pretty awesome so far. The problem is, it's you know, it's it's so repetitive. The game design's actually kind of garbage. That's all I can say. It's got some good ideas here. These ideas will work in the sequel in White Knight Chronicles Two. In White Knight Chronicles One, they don't work. Basically, there's only a couple attacks worth using. White Knight Chronicles 1. only a few. Everything else is simply too expensive to. You see. In this game, you build up a certain resource called action chip. Every time you attack and deal damage, there's, well, a certain chance of getting these. It's kind of slow. It takes a little while to build them up. However, in White Knight Chronicles 1, any attack except the most basic of attacks and spells will burn up these action chips. You want to save them because you need these for combos, and more importantly, for Leonard and Caesar, this is, you need to spend action chips in order to transform into the giant knights. That's the, so basically, you know, you can't really spend these freely. At the same time, though, you need to spread them in order to use anything other than the most basic of attacks. And so, basically, it's left to, you know, in between using the giant powers of the knights or maybe throwing a combo, you just 
only use your most basic attacks. You've got like 20 attacks, but you're only using like two or three. And why Night Chronicles 2 fixes this? But it's a big problem on Chronicles 1. It just makes it a bit more of a chore than it should be to get through things. Yeah, uh, what I did when I played it, I actually only played the White Knight Chronicles 2 version. Yeah, well... Which, which is special Chronicles... in that it actually includes the entire first game with it, but... Sort of games yeah, like... that's the thing. You know, White Knight Chronicles 2 contains White Knight Chronicles 1. There's absolutely no reason to ever, and I mean ever, buy White Knight Chronicles 1. Just, well, okay, there's maybe one slight reason, but it's, you know, not really a good reason. <laughs> well... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's basically. Yeah, I was just gonna say how to describe it, but yeah, it's to not play one of the Chronicles two, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> well, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah, basically the thing is, White Knight Chronicles two contains the fixed version of White Knight Chronicles one. Basically, everything in White Knight Chronicles one is in there, except you know, slightly better. So don't get White Knight Chronicles one. Um, let's see here. Um. The action ship system is kind of busted. Maybe I'll talk about the good parts of the system. We talked about it too, since that's you know where. It, like you know, two just fixes everything. Like, nah, two's a whole separate game. Like, whole separate game. Yeah. It's off on the side. Well, uh, I'll talk about two, so, two fixes everything later. But basically, in one, there's basically nothing too interesting to do in the battle system. That's its big problem. Other than you know, a target different parts and use the power of the knights because the knights are kind of cool. They're also changed heavily in one and Chronicles too, but in, they're still kind of decent in one. Hmm. You know, oh man! Hey, you know what's really I'm cool? I'm trying to sound good about this game. I'm kind of struggling. Hey, you you, you want to hear a complete? Why you're thinking? You okay, want to hear okay, a complete? Here, here, how, how about the music? How's that? The music's kind of okay. I I really like the big opening theme songs this game and yeah. as well. But there's kind of cool songs. Nothing too fancy or elaborate about them. Uh, but you know, the music's okay. I guess there's no complaints about it. Yeah, I'll go after the music. So. Well, okay is far preferable to it made me want to gouge out my eardrums. Yeah, it's definitely not that. Okay. See, I helped you. I, I, made, I got you to come up with something that's not <laughs> bad about it, right? Okay, yeah. Also, there is, there's a character I really like in this. My favorite character in both games. Well, mostly this. You see, the main villain, General Dragius, is, well, okay, he's the guy who shows up and... Ups up and kind of it leads to the main attack against the castle and kills the king in the first part of the game. And he gets all the cool lines and all the you know the cool character design. And well, okay, not all the best lines because this number two guy Belzatane is like you know he's an utterly hilarious villain. I, I I like these two. Like they work well together. They play off each other. It's really a shame that they kind of both vanish after a bit because well one dies and the other well Dracus is a guy who. He does shows a lot and then just kind of vanishes after you have his battle. Uh, quick note, General Dracus is also the wielder of the Black Knight, the kind of winged Dark Knight version of the White Knight, so he's your main rival, kind of. He's got no real reason to be a rival to Leonard. He doesn't care about Leonard. They're just opponents because they're on opposite sides. But, so it's not really a great rivalry they've got. I'm rambling here, but I'll, I'll get to it later. Yeah, how can... I would think he'd be the rival of the White Knight, but Leonard's the White Knight, not you. <laughs> yeah, Leonard's the White Knight, and he's the commander of the forces in the Black Knight, but they've got no real interactions or anything, really. They just, you know... Leonard doesn't really have anything personal against the Black Knight, other than the fact that he's the person who kidnapped the princess, and the princess is the only thing Leonard thinks about. And I'm not kidding. I mean, it's just, you know, at one point in random, there's random party chatters, you wander around dungeons, and, you know, they ask, you know, what's 
what's the most important thing in the world to you? It's just one of the random questions that the Prime Member throws out, and everyone chimes in response, and the main character, Leonard's only response is Cisna. You know, kind of that dead, monotone vo- uh, voice. Of, it's, it's that, well, that's it's the like, kind of voice women love. I mean, look at Twilight. <laughs> so, you know, that's the simple thing. That's the only thing he, he ever shows any carried about in this illness. So it's hard for a character like that to have a rivalry with anything. Well, anyways, um, yeah, sorry. Now, now that we've Impacted, explored his uh, extremely deep motivation. Yeah, going back to, you know, the character I like, General Dragis, you know, he kind of vanishes after the first time you actually fight him in gameplay. However, uh, well, basically, it's only then you start seeing the person beneath the helmet because, well, in the next town, um, you read... Uh, you rescue a, a dancer girl who's in the middle of being attacked by enemies, who's been manipulated by the evil organization Magi to attack your party because she gets mind control or something. And then she takes you on this quest to save her sister who's used as a living sacrifice to create a super monster to attack your party. And she's got a tragic backstory and a desire for revenge and she's teamed up with you. Except it's all a lie because she's really General Dragus. It's kind of the blonde-haired dancer girl, Kara, who joins your party and is probably one of your more interesting party members, is in fact the, basically the main commander of the main villain army and the wielder of the power of the Black Knights. And this is, gets maybe played a little too obviously in its way it plays out, and kind of awkwardly, but, you know, she's an interesting character. Like, this girl who is a great actress, who is an interesting, kind of likable character, who actually has kind of a decent. She actually, you know, has this thing where she kind of falls in love with Caesar, who earns there, and they kind of he discovers her secret. And the interactions between those two is like it was the one good thing about this game's story, I swear. And even that they managed to wreck in the end, which I'll get into more in two because two story is a disaster. But you know, as they play it in one, it's a good story. Which she decides when she kind of betrays her party, but her feelings are conflicted, and ultimately it seems that she, you know, sacrifices her. She basically gets killed and betrayed by allies, and dies simply apologizing for her crime. It aims in, and it's kind of heart wrenching. Well done. And I don't know how it was well done, considering how bad the rest of the story can be, but there it is. I really liked that. It's ruined in two, but we'll get to that in two. Oh, joy. <laughs> hey, 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 you guys want to hear something funny? Yeah, sure, shoot. So so check it out. I just, you know, while you were talking, I went and looked at Metacritic, and the average score is 64. And do you know what what's exactly 64? Um, the, the, the proof rating of this drink that I mixed. How awesome is that? You know, White I, Knight Chronicles. It drives you to drink, boys and girls. <laughs> I believe you are speaking only for yourself there, Phil. Because <laughs> we're still talking about Night Night Chronicles 1, right? We haven't gotten to the point that yeah. Nathan and Alex will have to start drinking about it. Oh, yeah. I, well, the bar yeah. is open, boys. I got plenty to go around. <laughs> right, one thing we should possibly correct is the uh, mention of that the game is single-player. Yeah, well, the game is... Well, well it's mostly single-player. It's mostly single-player. It has a single-player story. However, it... Well, it had an online mode. Its online mode is... Well, I'll get to that a bit later, but it's not really working yet. So, you're stuck playing the single player. And, but it's got all these, yeah. kind of on, uh, these kind of guild missions. You kind of go out with your avatar and you go 
well, team up with other players online and challenge this various mission to fight through monsters, do little side quests, and fight some boss monsters. You get rewards, and then build up your guild ranks so you can you know unlock more things in your synthesis shop, and thus buy ever better, more powerful gear. And it doesn't work. It's not fun. I hate this so much. Do not ever try this. Wait, what, what's this about buying new gear that doesn't work? Yeah, well, it's kind of this thing where you have to build up this thing called your citizen rank and your guild rank in order to unlock various kinds of special equipment. However, it's just easier to go on, uh, advance the story to and raise your level to go to the next town and get better equipment there. It's the kind of thing where it wants to have this kind of equipment level grind system, like, you know, with the in-game of an MMO or with Monster Hunter, but also time wants to have kind of leveling up and going to towns and buy new gear as you progress. And it, designers apparently didn't understand that these don't work next to each other. That it's just easier to do one than the other, and the other is a slog that takes forever. And like, okay, when I say the synthesis shop, I mean go to various shops in this game, and you know, kind of like crafting in Monster Hunter or whatnot. You take all these materials you get off of dead monsters and combine them to new weapons and armor. Except the cost requirements for getting these are obscene. It it could take like twenty hours of grinding to get a single weapon. And at the same time, you've risen your level like twenty levels can outlevel the rest of the main story of the game. And yeah, that that sounds like MMO, but not, like not going a good up, MMO. Not going this up is... twenty levels in the same amount of time. You know, what? I'll drink to that. Like I said, this game has some stuff from like Monster Hunter and MMOs, and it it doesn't implement it well at all. It's like the worst free to play grind MMO ever, hidden behind a you know, what's supposed to be a buy kind of game, buy it up front game. It's, it's, well, it's not a free to play game. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna be talking about maybe talking touching on some MMO stuff later on during the the final lap. But uh, you know that's just extra bang for your buck, Nathan. What I'm hearing are reasons to go out and get this game because it has longevity. It has <laughs> gameplay value. Yeah, I mean, it's the longevity of like you have to spend two thousand hours to get yeah. a single trophy. It it did have a very hardcore base that really liked the stuff. It yeah. had its own dedicated fans. Yeah. The scary thing from is, what, from what I hear, that when the servers shut down, they mostly migrated to Final Fantasy XIV. That was their oh. and, you know they're probably happier in Final Fantasy XIV than this game. Just to be honest, I was gonna say. Um... Uh, you know, I mean, there, there, there are, there are a lot of people who who kind of like that because, I mean, not only are MMOs and grindy games like that, you know, kind of popular. I guess if you take away the social aspect, some people would still like the grindy parts. But, um, uh, but, but, boy, you know, one thing that's really big in a lot of and games today are achievements. Now, I personally am a very pretty person. I look at achievements, you know, whether they're PlayStation achievements, Steam achievements, whatever, and I scoff because they look like just ways to make, uh, you know, a 40-hour game, turn it into an MMO-like time sink as you try to collect all these arbitrary, you know, points and have more, you know, virtual trophies than your friends. But clearly there's an audience for that, and God bless them. That's what makes them happy because, uh, you know, they, they keep doing this stuff. So I'm, I'm sure somewhere someone out there would just love to go and play White Knight Chronicles and spend the 2,000 hours to do what you just said. Yeah, for no well, other reason I mean, to say they did it. I'm saying quite literally, I beat the game and got 2% of the trophy. There's something which is like, wow. like, something like, you have to spend 2,000 hours playing this game to unlock this trophy. Wow. Okay, if you got 2%, and that means you spend about 40 hours with it? Uh, something like that. And I okay. put a fair bit of time into doing that. I tried the side, qu- the guild quests a little bit. So I, uh, nice, I did some other stuff. I, I, 
I didn't, you know, skip right to the game. I played quite as much as I play other games, and I got 2%. Wow. That's pretty funny. This is, of course, another amazing way to entice longevity from players. If you have to get every trophy in the game, then you're going to be at it a long time. Yeah, well, I mean... And we know there are people like that. Yeah, such people, please do not play this game. I'm begging you. Well, I think it's possibly impossible to actually get all the achievements now. I don't know if any of them actually require online. Yeah, I mean, anything that requires this game's guild mission system, you know, these missions are not going to be possible without the online because in this, this is changes in two, but in one, you are only stuck only using your avatar for this mission to play it senior. You can't pull in your other party member. So you have to do one character trying to do a mission design for four players. This is, it's not going to happen. Like, in-game power, I can maybe do, like, the first three, but it's not going to be really feasible unless you get a party online, which is no longer possible. Building an actual yeah, town was, wasn't too bad, though. Yeah, that is the one thing. This game, this game continue, contains dark, the, the dark cloud georamas to a, a more limited degree. You know, build parts for a town and assemble your own town and go out to talk to random people in various other pre-built cities and invite them into your own little custom town and then, you know, invite other... You used to be able to invite other players from other or, or play across the internet to visit your own little town, which yeah, it, you know, it it's sort invite of people as... and put stuff in. You can upgrade its shops and stuff. Yeah, it basically worked as sort of the lobby for the online missions. Yeah, uh, and it, you know, it's you know, it's fun building your own little town. It's a giant time stink that requires a tremendous amount of rare resources that's going to take you hours to grind up if you want anything other than the basics. And you need to build your guild rank in order to unlock a larger town, which requires doing the guild missions, which is this giant, terrible cycle of misery. But This sounds awesome. It's like, a, it's like what I've always wanted. MMO without those other... What are they called? Other players? They're so irritating. You know, without yeah, all those. Well, I mean... <laughs> just take them out. Just take them out. Haven't you always want to play, like, World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy Online, but without the online part? Okay, okay, no, so I, check... I, I would not want to play that game, and this game is why. <laughs> check it out, guys. Check it out, okay? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how awesome this game is, okay? I looked on eBay. You can get fresh, brand spanking new in the shrink wrap for a whopping thirteen twenty five. Now, 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 let's say <laughs> that's, a rip -off. that's a great deal because think about this. You just told me it has 2,000 hours of gameplay. I did the math, and that means this is less than a penny per hour of pure, awesome RPG enjoyment. I, I question the word enjoyment. You're talking about 2,000 hours. It does not have enough good content for that. It's I point, promise you. It's, it's two-thirds of a cent per hour. Do you know what's a better deal and probably more fun? going to work yeah I, I would recommend you know like go to work maybe buy a better game but I, like okay look this game is worth playing just to run through the main story see that and such but not play 2,000 hours of this game please it just as I said the more you try to get out of this game the less it's going to give you so you're not going to get your trophies nearly as easy as let's say Big Bob's uh, you know Slimeball Adventure no, no, you're not. What was that one game, the dancing game with one of those girly characters dancing with Hannah Montana or whatever? I heard that guys were buying up that game because you could get the platinum trophy in, in like 10 hours or less or like five hours. You just had to beat the game like once and you got the platinum trophy for the game. I am so glad I'm not a trophy by the trophy bug. The trophy bug? Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad I, I'm not. 
Well, shoot. Well, I, I reckon then, since you guys are so uh, you know excited about this one, maybe we should move on to the next one. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Yeah, I think okay. that's fine now. All right. All right. Here we go. White Knight Chronicles 2, now with twice the alcoholic content. I mean twice the awesomeness. This was developed by Level 5, published uh, in North America by D3 Publisher. This was released in NA on September 13th, 2011. This is a single-player RPG experience with a much more colorful cover, I might add, looking at this cover here. It's definitely more pleasing to the eye. But is the game more pleasing to play? Well, the answer to that is yes and no, because... Like, wah, when wah. I... <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I just had to do uh, the wah-wah, because, you know, it was good <laughs> and bad. Sorry. <laughs> Sound effects. It's, it's, it's in memory. Okay, well, the thing about this game is that, you know, this game contains both White Chronicles 1 and White Chronicles If you just If you don't think of it as a sequel to the original, just think of it, you know, as the more okay, complete yeah. version, it's... <laughs> Whoa, it's you just not a bad game. You just blew my mind. Are you talking 4,000 hours of gameplay value? <laughs> Something like that. Let's, let's go with that. Sure. Wow. Sure, sure why not? <laughs> well, geez, the price reflects it, too. This one's $33, so twice the price, twice the hours. Still six cents an hour, boys and girls. Yeah, and, well, this version, it fixes the combat significantly. Oh, cool. I like It's a lot combat. more fun to play this one. Like, you know, previously, you know, you had, like, 20 varieties of shoot and arrow. Now, like, see, archers get various songs to restore MP to allies and create some, and heal, uh, heal, whereas warriors get much more actual defensive moves to protect themselves or the ability to swap out to use two swords and attack with both of those simultaneous. And so stuff like that. So, you know, weapons are more distinct from each other, more interesting, that... They, they remove the action chip cost for normal attacks, so it instead of with a basic, more simple MP cost, so you're much more free to use your special attacks. Also, combos are a bit cheaper because of that, and that lets them be built more effectively, and so it, 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 it adds some extra mechanics to fighting with giant knights, like it gives them AoE attacks to their basic wet attack moves, and it changes some mechanics for how you knock enemies off their feet. So, overall, it's a more interesting game, a lot more to it, so... Well. Big and the, battle, the battle system. No, the battle system. Everything is more else, yes. I'm going to debate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, with, there's a lot to say about the other bat systems. But they even went back and changed a lot of the costs of things in the first part of the game, so that you know, like you know, there's sort special things from this shop that you kind of want, but you know, it's way too expensive in the first game. That for the remake of the first game, the second is way cheaper and much more affordable and accessible. Makes it a lot yeah. more fun and interesting to be able to actually you know, afford this kind of flashy stuff that is being presented to kind of dangle in front of your face. That that improvement doesn't carry over the second half. The second half goes right back to the overly expensive stuff from the first. But you know, they, but yeah, at least you've actually got that first stuff to use this time. Yeah, at least you've got some of the better stuff in the first half. So yeah, the first half of the game is way better in Wind Chronicles 2 than in, it was in the original. Uh, so I, this is the better version just for that alone. But they even changed the so it's easier half. to gather items in the field. But what happens when you hit the second half? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Um, well, two okay. It's not immediate. One... Uh, but mm. the, what happens in the second half is the, the very first thing you do is actually the best part of the second half. It's probably the, yeah. one of the best chapters of either chapter. When you first go to the What's the name of the kingdom? Faria? Uh, Faria, yeah. Faria. You go to the Faria and its forest, and you try to basically... Faria was the kingdom which was at war with their good kingdom of Balandor years ago, but recently was at peace, but their archduke was killed at the same time the king of Balandor was. 
And, well, when you arrive, even Faria at the start of the second game, it's basically being invaded by the new Ashranian army. It's basically in civil war as well. And yeah. You have so to you go around. Have to you have to rescue its princess. It, it's an interesting chapter, and with basically the story actually becomes a bit more interesting. More interesting things are happening. You have to actually save a kingdom. It's, um, the environments are gorgeous. Uh, the, I mean, seriously, the, the forest of Faria... It borrows a gimmick from Secret of Mana of the forest, which four different sections, each which is of a different season, of winter, spring, summer, and fall. And each one's kind of beautifully rendered. It's a fun place to explore. It's gorgeous. The story's actually going well in that chapter. It's, you know, when you first start White Iron Chronicles 2, you think, oh, hey, is this what I can expect? This is awesome. Way better than the first game. And <laughs> when you get to the end of that, it goes to hell. Oh, yeah. Really fast. And really bad. Yeah. The main, prob- yeah, the main problem is sort of the first game had you going from a journey from one pl- that basically went from the main sort of the home kingdom to somewhere else. White Knight Chronicles Two is that exact same journey in reverse. Yeah, you th- after you go through the forest, you start backtracking through all of the areas of the last game. Yeah, in these reverse. are yeah, and these are the exact same areas. There's no design. <laughs> no, they haven't changed the geography at all. I mean, in some cases, it works. Like, the one, like, for the most part, this is really bad and boring. Like, really bad. In one thing, like, the, the area I complained about is being the most boring area of the last game, with the, with the kind of cool gimmick of the above ground and below ground. Well, that's actually more fun to play through in this one. It, it's total bad filler originally, but now it's actually kind of fun. But that's the one exception. Everything else is pretty terrible. Oh, and also, characters start time traveling at the Oh yeah. <laughs> like, what? Time travel? Like, yeah, you start time traveling at this point. Once you activate the book called the Retrospecticon, and with oh, it yeah. travel into the past in order to see an altered past of events and yeah. retrieve uh, magic, um, the, the people who died in the various course of the game. And I've, for- I've forgotten how terrible that book name was. That's such yeah, a it, bad name. <laughs> yeah. It's actually memorable though in a very terrible way. Yeah, it's like you know. It's really painful, especially since, you know, the, one of these, these retrospecticon trips takes you through the sewer. It's a new area in this game, the sewer. There's mm-hmm. a kind of the sewer video. level is the greatest part of any video game. Yeah, well, this one is full of the most, they add the most unique gimmick this game adds, the undead. The undead oh, yeah. are, I yeah, hate fighting them so. Two new enemies, God, they were boring. <laughs> yeah, I think it's introduced sort of two or three new enemy types and it, it definitely yeah. enjoyed the fact that it was very proud of those enemy types and threw them at you whenever it could. Yeah, it throws them as much as it can and you hate fighting them each time. Because the undead, basically, normally they resist almost all damage. You can't hurt them until you can knock them over and then you have to hit, and then they'll just get back up unless you hit them with holy magic. And uh, you have to have holy magic is a bit deep into the healing magic tree and so only a few characters might have it if you aren't really looking forward a bit. And. I don't almost have no words how much I hate fighting the undead. It takes forever. It's a pain. A slog. The giant form of the undead, the wraiths, I swear, they exist just to murder me. The, the only times I've actually game over in this game were to the giant wraiths. The, the just giant undead monsters you can't hurt unless you use holy magic. You need to transform to a knight to do effective damage. However, knights can't use holy magic. So you need to have someone else on foot using holy magic while, while you try to attack it with the knight. Oh man. 
So what I'm hearing is a lot of glass happening. Let's flip that around for a second. Let's just say someone thought that this game, you know, was so much fun they wanted to spend even more time with it. Would you say these zombies or whatever add more game time? Well, this game has more optional guild quests than the original. All right, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. And well, there's much more. There, this game actually attempts to have an end game super dungeon. We'll get to, but yeah, basically you start off in Faria trying to defend against the evil Ashranian Empire and the civil rebels. You kind of wander around, going back to the game. You travel through time a bit, and well, then probably the best thing that ever happened. This game occurs. And that's when the main character falls over and gets sick. And it basically gets written oh, out of the story times. for most of the rest of the game. That is the best thing to happen to this game. <laughs> for a brief time after that happens, suddenly the game is more fun for a little bit. I mean, it's after that happens that we go on to the, the, like, the one chapter I liked of going to the rehash of the old area with the above and below ground. Because the, the heroes kind of Okay, the girl, ill childhood friend he had who I had a crush on, and basically she goes off on her own to get her own knight, the moon, moon maiden? Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks to more entirely believable coincidence. But... Yeah, basically she goes off on her own, suddenly everyone's more competent, everyone's has a bit more interesting character development going on, and, you know, you're freed from, you know, the most boring main character ever in any RPG I've ever played. And, you know, the game's briefly better. And, you know, you get the Moon Maiden, Yuli is her name, just the childhood friend, I haven't mentioned it, but that's her name. And she, you know, comes back, she gets the knight, she single-handedly destroys half the Shredding army in one battle. And, you know, everyone's going fine, things are going well. And at that point, you basically, all the allies gather together to launch their attack against Shredding's main base, and you invade their central stronghold. And, well, things happen. I think this game's most hilarious moment ever occurs in which basically you're fighting against the enemies and well, you're winning somewhat and thus the the main enemy commander who, I'm blanking on the name of the main villain. I just know he's voiced by Crispin Freeman. Yeah, the guy voiced by Crispin Freeman basically says they have fallen right into a trap. Deploy the act of God. And thus they fire giant nuclear weapons at you. That's an act of God now? I yeah, think it was I, Hand of God, I think it was... Oh, Hand... I think no, that is the... the Act of God, I'm pretty sure. It's... Oh, okay. Well, what yeah, what is like, this, a reference know... to the stand? What the heck? <laughs> well, yeah, it's like you know, it's like the most hilarious weapon name for an ultimate super weapon I've ever seen. It's like, yeah. the the Act of God. <laughs> Sorry, it's even now I can't help but laugh at it. Yeah, it's a combination of volcano and magic. Yeah, giant of, it's basically a giant super volcano cannon, powered by magic crystal. You have to go in there, invade the base, and destroy one by one. And, you know, that's kind of cool. It's actually, you know, another point where you're exploring new areas, kind of a pain getting through the area since it's a little maze-like. You have to go up and down cliffs, whatnot. But, you know, it, and there's enemies everywhere and such. But, you know, it's interesting enough. But then you get to its core, which point suddenly, you know, the villain says, ha, hi, I, you came to fight me and still let you fight my giant monster. And so the giant monster shows up, and then Maximum Leonard occurs. Leonard is not a great main character. He's basically got not much joint interest for him, but, you know, he's just kind of there for the first game. You kind of have to put up with him. He doesn't do much. But in the second game, the second game is basically Leonard shows that Leonard is 
The game tries to present him forward as the great main hero who's trying to sacrifice all to do good and save his princess he's deeply in love with. What's right, really going you're on? Just, you're just playing the guy who's there. He's yeah, the guy playing, actually doing things, right? He's the guy doing things, but you know, you know, you're the playing the guy that's there. He's the guy who's supposedly doing things, supposedly the great hero that's looking forward to. And you know what? He, well, basically, he's an idiot kid out of his depth whose only character defi- or defining attribute is this utter nonsensical infatuation with a princess who barely knows he exists. Mm-hmm. Who any kind of romantic exchange between them is completely awkward and forced and doesn't make any. Uh, like they have a dance scene in the first game in which they do this kind of imaginary thing involving kind of like like imagine if you know in the scene in Star Wars in which Luke sees the holographic projection from Princess Leia which says you know help me Obi Wan Kenobi your only hope it's like the, that ripped off that exact thing except suddenly like imagine Luke Skywalker and they're in the hologram of the princess start dancing together and that's the big romantic scene between them. I'm laughing at it. I'm not thinking it's romantic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that, that's kind of it. That's their only real romantic scene in the entire series. And... Well, that's not a bit, but he's unconscious most of it, I think. This is basically sort of the princess just taking care of him when he's ill. And that's... Yeah, there's that. It's that's like, about it, but she, the only person... She's worried that, about but... him, but it, it's like... It's not very good at selling you us. The un- yeah, the only purpose of that was to make uh, Yuli feel bad. Yeah, Maybe like... this was written by a guy who was really sick in a hospital once, and he thought a nurse was really attractive, and he just kept daydreaming about what it would be like if that nurse liked him. And that's where that... this plot point came from. That That's not a bad way of describing it. I mean, the entire reason, you know, Leonard has this obsession with Princess Cisna is that, you know, at once he was invited to the castle, and he saw her, in which like, he got really close because she was, she was interested in a butterfly sitting on his head. Like, he was, you know, infatuated with her simply because you know, she stared at him and became back to looking at the butterfly sitting on his head. That That's their moment. Yeah, well, anyways. Leonard, earlier in the game, he got sick, he got taken out of the story, no one really cared. I mean, you got less... Uh, you're down the White Knights, but that's not too big of a problem. Yeah, because at least two more knights, so you're fine. Yeah, you've got a couple other knights, so, you know, it's not that good. However, you know, right in the middle of the giant battle against the terrible lava monster in the center of the enemy's lair... Leonard, despite being sick, despite no one wanting him to show up, everyone worried about him because he's sick and injured and not actually worthy of the people of fighting, decides to hop in an airship, jump out of the airship, fight an enemy mid-battle, mid-air, despite the fact that he's the only knight that can fly, and plummet down to the earth where he inserts himself right into the middle of the boss battle you were in the middle of fighting. He forces himself into the party despite the fact he is like 10 to 20 levels behind everyone else because he's been playing a good chunk of the game since he left. But he just and he just jumped out of the air and fought something in midair. Shouldn't he be able to? He lost get... the battle midair. He got knocked out of the sky. Oh, that's how he arrived. Okay, that's that's an important point. If he was an unsuccessful midair combatant, then that's something entirely different. I don't want this. Joke. Yeah, like he shows up. He forces his way into his party. At that point, he become basically he shows up under basically completely unequipped, like ten levels behind everyone else in the middle of the party against both. The giant monster you're fighting, which is now recovered because he arrived, and just as he arrived, the black knight that he was fighting shows up. So suddenly you're stuck with a weak party member, and you have to deal with more powerful opponents than you're fighting just a moment ago. I mean, when I first doing this, you know, I was having Yuli going into the full power of her moon maiden form, which you know she absolutely was destroying that boss. When Leonard shows up, cutscenes happen, and when cutscenes happen, you lose your knight form and all of the action shapes you had to spend on that form. So basically, I was stuck 
with Leonard in my party, without the form I had that's had the boss on lockdown, and at a diff- enemies throwing themselves at me, and look, there are a few games you can say where the, the main hero trying to be her hero actually makes things harder for the player. If you didn't like Leonard before, if you somehow managed to like Leonard before this, I assure you, you're going to have your work cut out for you moment, after this. Yeah, you will hate Leonard. He is the <laughs> worst main character of any RPG I have ever seen because he actively tries to make the story and the gameplay worse and harder for you. He has the wow. coolest looking knight. Wait, wait, but... he's even worse than Shin Megami Tensei main characters that when they die, the entire game is over, even though there's other party members that can resurrect them? Yep. I just, I mean. Dang, Minky. I, I, That's pretty okay bad, isn't it? Panic. It's a little frustrating, but, you know, in terms of just, you know, this case for the game. Leonard is the pinnacle of that. A- any comments here, Alex? This sounds like it burned itself into Nathan's brain. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. I mean, it gets even more fun for the last battle. <laughs> yeah, it gets worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, boy. Oh, yes. Yeah, it turns out, I think, the primary motivation for the bad characters was to revive the Emperor from, like, 10,000 years ago. Yes, he said, the, main goal the, the main goal of the villains is to revive Emperor Medoras. How you do that? Gathering all five knights together. You're told from the very beginning that you know, when the five knights gather, the final awakening will occur, and this is very bad. And what do the main characters do when the enemies pull out their two knights at the end of the battle? You pull out their three knights. And so you have this big, cool plot battle with the nice original theme song playing in your enemy fortress, and... What happens is the final awakening occurs because exactly as advertised, when the five nights gather, it will occur. And what happens? Leonard, our supposed main hero, transforms into the main villain. He is revealed as, you know, he is possessed by the soul of oh, yeah. Emperor Medoras, the ruler of Ishermedia, and he becomes the final boss. Yeah, he, he was sort of the true reincarnation. Well, I think somewhat, enough of the villain characters sort of made the, the villain formerly known as Crispin Freeman as sort of thought he was the reincarnation but turns yeah, out I mean, it was Leonard kind of, yeah it's Leonard all along Leonard is the true final boss well okay technically the, the, the soul inhabiting his white knight is the final boss but you know it's just playing him all along he is in fact basically the white knight that is your original super weapon was it's cool it looks nice but ultimately it's the vessel for the soul of the villain and Leonard just let it take him over and Leonard becomes the final boss which he it yeah, that's all I can say. It's kind of an intimidating final boss, since the White Knight kind of gets kind of a more demonic appearance, but you have to fight the supposed main hero of the story as the final boss. What a great, you know, record for his accomplishment. Leonard, the best chapter of the story is when he's unconscious. His ultimate accomplishment, messing up you with the most critical battle and becoming the final boss. That's about it. Wow. Nice job taking it. Sounds, sounds like it's worth another swig. I don't think one is going to be enough for this one. Mm-mm. That's why I got a refill. Yeah. And so, this whole thing, yeah. the Avatar is known as the guy who watched it all happen. Yeah, well, okay, the guy who watched it all happen, and there's one thing that's around that towards the end, the Avatar is given its own knight. It's the Arc Knight. Well, Arc Incorrupt is it, translated. Because all these knights are called Incorrupt Eye, for just for whatever reason, localization team decided to go with that. And so you get your Arcane Corrupt. It's, it's late, very, very late in the game. And yeah. after the final Awakening curse, all of the other knights are disabled. So your avatar, who has done nothing for the rest of the story, at the very last moment, is basically saying, everyone else has to turn this in. Oh, hey, you fight the final battle for us. So you have to. With your 
you know, pitifully under-equipped it's green arcing corruptors. Uh, I yes, say green be well, yeah, you can, uh, you can change card, but yeah, the main thing is all of the sort of upgrades for the incorruptors come by doing the really high-level guild ranks and, in the online you know, mode. If you want, basically, do you want to spend 50 hours for a single color? Like, a single chance to apply a single color to your, to your Ark Incorruptors. That's what the scheme asks you to do. Like, do you want to spend, like, you know, create, it's basically, they sell you on the idea of, oh, to create your own Incorruptus, your own Super Knights. You can customize different parts to create your appearance and recolor as you like. You can use different weapons. This was a big part of the advertising for Final Chronicles 2. However, this, yeah, every single Yeah, several hundred hours to actually get it. Yeah, hundreds of hours to get anything done with this knight. It, Which now you probably can't do. Yeah, it's it basically it's unworkable. Like the best new idea of the game, and trapped behind so much time and effort and energy, it's simply not worth doing at all. And that's really a good chunk of just where White Knight Chronicles goes wrong. It it doesn't know what kind of game it wants to be, and the only thing it ever started being is a giant waste of your time you try to do anything other than the main story and in White Knight Chronicles 2 the new story they added has well it's got some cool moments but it's also got some giant pointless slogs too yeah it's just got it's random basically... aspects that have no point being there like the time travel the only reason for time travel in game is to actually go and get a MacGuffin yeah, all it, all, like, all it does know. is create sort of nonsense paradoxes just... stuff like that and the result is, yeah, hey, you've got this random MacGuffin which we could have put anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's even more hilarious than that. In the first game, you go on a very long, involved side quest to get a magic sword, which is supposedly let you defeat any of the incorruptor and be, uh, I, I defeat any of the five knights. However, as soon as you get that sword, it's awesome in the first game. In the second game, you know, it loses all of its plot power, and so there is the reward for going through all of the three time travels to collect the MacGuffins is another sword which lets you fight in Corrupta. The exact same thing you already have. Ah, but the, this one is from the past, so it still has its powers. That makes total sense because you've already got the one from the present, right? Uh, or something like that. Basically, the first one the... you pull out of a magic statue, the second one descends from the sky surrounded by glowing light. That's the only real difference <laughs> between that. Yeah, oh, oh, a lot of so it's divinely granted. Wow. That is a very special... I think special is a very good adjective to apply to it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I, I game... just remember reviewing this game because Europe got it about half a year before... No, well, I'm looking at half a year, but a few months before the US, so I got first play and managed to really annoy all the fans of the of the first game, who by the time it came out in the US was basically going, mm, okay, yeah, I see. There's some problems here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, even going on... Like, the one story I liked from the first game, the story of Kara, who uh, who has served as General Dragius, ultimately died at the end of the first game. Guess what? In the second game, she's oh, still yeah. alive. No, not, not much explanation how she survived what the hell killed her in the first. I mean, she was stabbed and then dropped off a collapsing oh. in, in, in temple with half a mountain falling on top of her. That's yeah, how she died. The, yeah, it's the no one went and found the body problem. Yeah, and everyone, no one had the body, so she just kind of shows up alive in the second game with the explanation, oh, they found me. No real much else beyond that. Yeah. And, so oh yeah. Yeah, I think was it somehow she was actually the general in Faria. So yeah, in Faria, I've got no idea how Faria she rose up the ranks that quickly. Yeah, she, like she disguised herself as General Scardine, a kind of powerful commander, for serving the good guys in the Farians, and 
you know, Skyline's actually a really badass-looking, cool character in this game. And so, I kind of the thing I say about White Chronicles is there's three good characters, all three of them are the same person, and that's you know, Katara, Dragus, and Skyline. Uh, however, the problem with that is that you know. Gameplay-wise, they kind of really messed this up because Skardine joins too late for you to respec his abilities, so you're stuck with a particular skill light element, so it ruins your customization and team balance. And there's other things because, you know, because they ruined Kara's kind of tragic death story and such. And they also, they even retroactively say, oh, you know, Kara wasn't in fact Drake. She wasn't actually the person who killed the king. She was, in fact, just tricked into thinking this for some reason. Oh, in yeah, fact, it's someone else who did all the terrible things in her name. So she's actually a totally innocent good person. Ridiculous so. <laughs> Yeah, so she just has a couple more cool scenes with Caesar, but that's about it, sadly. And, oh yeah, even though she was the wheel, she was the person who was General Dragus, the master of the Black Knight. She never, you never actually get her to transform the Black Knight. It's impossible in the game. So, by the time she actually, by the time she actually reveals that she's Dragus, the rest of the party, it's basically her, the power of the Dark Knight is stolen from her by some other guy who has no actual interesting role in the story other than I'm the guy who stole the Black Knight. This game is a victim, I think, of the fact that they built all the fancy CG cutscenes in the game way too early and were shackled to using them even after they changed the plot so much that they didn't make any sense anymore. You can see this by the fact that you know only three characters of the party ever show up in the cutscenes despite you know, what, the not actually making sense. So This game is just hacked together by the end. Yeah, it's highly debatable how much planning went into the uh, went into this Basically, I think they story. It's like they spent a ton of money and then decided to plan the game out. And this, boys and girls, is why you should have a storyboard ready before you make your expensive cutscenes that will blow most of your budget, not after. Mm-mm-mm. Well, okay. gosh. Probably all oh, I, I guess we should mention... Other stuff I can mention, like... Yeah, we haven't really gone into the online aspects that, of course, are now gone because the game is... Well, it, yeah. it's pretty much the same as the first one, I think. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Apparently, tons of the guild missions, as well as also they created it after you beat the game. The final boss kind of revives him spontaneously, and kind of, even when you kind of next load up that safe, and basically creates this giant super dungeon where you have to fight through, which is really a pretty giant, big thing, which is still not very well designed from what I can hear. I've never actually played it myself. So I never bothered to actually go online, but yeah, I I think I, look, well, I mean, basically have to go through most of the online stuff to be able to beat it. I think I looked at the video for us. Yeah, it's it a ridiculously high-powered thing. So yes, ridiculously very high-powered. Very few people would actually got to it. Yeah, I mean you can slog your way through it. At the very top, you get to refight the final boss again. And this and well, there's all kinds of problems. Like ah, uh, well, first off, also the two creators, White and Chronicles Two, does improve these skill quests a bit. First, in single player, lets you just pull your NPC allies into the game with you. So you know, characters like Leonard and Yuli can actually join you for the guild quests. Also, the sp- online guild quests have been expanded so they can get like eight people or so to, to join together online rather than just four in the original game. And you can also, with the addition of the knights, that if you, you know, actually manage to upgrade them somehow, you can get a team of different knights together. But... Yeah, you actually needed that for the yeah. final. Yeah, the final battles really require the power of the knights. But, yeah, but, you know, it's a bit better for those people who actually you know, decide to get in on the giant slog that is this game, but again... See, you, you keep using really... that... You keep using that very judgmental term, slug, you know? I just feel judgment there, you know, because what's your slug is another person's endless paradise. 
Well, yeah, I, I'm certain some people enjoyed it. I, I I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Nope, lost him for a second there. Hold on one second. We're trying to get him back. If you have fun with that game, just more power to you. But you know, you dropped for a second, just, Nathan. I'm sorry. I know, but it's just you know, just I don't think the average RPG player is going to actually. No, and it, it, in all seriousness, the one friend I had who who played through it was not very happy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's the kind of thing. It, I think it only succeeded because there weren't that many good MMOs on consoles when this was released. There was not many good options for you know people who want to play an online game, online RPG with friends. Yeah, you're right. On the console, what did what did we really have at that point? Like Final Fantasy XI, which was PlayStation. Wasn't that really PlayStation? I, it didn't even have a PS3 version. It right, it was PS2, and you had to have the hard drive thing going on. Yeah, it's like it. You know, it had its own fan base, but you know, they were probably happy. People who liked Final Fantasy XI were probably already playing XI. They were people who didn't like it didn't have much else. So, I mean, it wasn't until we got some stuff like. Final Fantasy fourteen and other scrolls online that we actually got some more full scale MMOs on consoles. So it was the closest thing there was to that at the time. The, no, the, it's right. it's been a huge jump. I I think that's probably for me, and I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, as an RP gamer, I think that's the biggest jump I've seen this generation uh, so far. Is is the fact that you can play MMOs on your console and it actually competes with the PC experience fairly well. Uh, yeah, we've had like the occasional Final Fantasy XI experience or whatnot in the past, but those were clunky and 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 they just didn't compare to the PC uh, experience. If it was the only way you could experience XI, more power to you. But boy, now with four like with fourteen or Elder Scrolls Online and a few others that are out there, or a couple of others that I've given a shot on my PlayStation Four. But um, man, I mean, I can swap between the computer and the PC, you know, experience. And now it's not like this huge step back. It's it's actually fairly comparable. I'm taking just a small hitting the graphics for the comfort of sitting in a couch in my living room and it controls really well uh so i know it's a little bit of a tangent but but back then yeah you're right i mean what did you what did you have really for these for these online rpg experiences you really did it yeah, and when, i mean you know i mean it's almost because i'm not saying that MMO experiences are a powerful thing that's like they'll play with people online and build your own communities and have fun with people as you play through these rpgs it's its own powerful thing and that's I think the real appeal of that, despite all the problems of the game, is what attracted people to its online mode. And, you know, again, I hope they're all, all the people who can't play this game anymore because the servers have been turned off and are having fun playing something like Fallout 14. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we need to we need to truck. Oh, up. and also a couple more notes that you know, there's two things I need to mention about this game. One, this game really has kind of had some deceptive advertising. The original trailer for original One Night Chronicles was like it was amazing to me. I loved every aspect of it. It looked like this is something fresh and new and interesting. And the actual game was nothing like that original trailer at all. Yeah, you're right. It was pretty. And, I remember seeing that. It was pretty big. And there's also at the same time the Chronicles 2, they did all this advertising for stuff like the Ark and Corrupt, which is customized your own knights. It's going to be this great thing. And then, you know, it's walled behind tons of grinding. So it's un, basically unaccessible. And so it's just, that got, you know, it's, I don't like it when that happens. It's kind of off putting. Yep. And so another thing is, you know, North American and European fans really got the raw deal here because. The White Eye Chronicles 2 had a kind of some major patch expansion in Japan, which added an entire thing called the Avatars 
story, which is a continuation of the story of the game, kind of centered around the avatar you create. Great, fleshes up the backstory a bit and adds some more cool fights. And that was never brought over in the at all. So I understand them being a bit unhappy about the fans in here in North America and Europe. Hmm. I can't imagine why. So, so we're, we're telling you, boys and girls... I mean, here at the RPG Backtrack, we are all about playing our retro RPGs. But there is occasionally something to be said for the fact that newer stuff occasionally does certain things better. And in this particular instance, it sounds like the general consensus is, if you're looking for an experience that's kind of like this, try Final Fantasy XIV online on your PlayStation 4 instead. Um, or if you don't yeah, have a PlayStation or- 4, I think that's on the PlayStation 3, too, so... Yeah, I've, I'm playing on the PS3. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's just fine there. Uh, so uh, uh, also, I guess you know, by the looks of Xenoblade Chronicles X, this could be a, actually a rather similar game in some of its mechanics and concepts to this one. And everything looks like it does way better than White Knight Chronicles. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and I mean, just look at the screenshots. Immediately, the first thing that popped into my mind, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, is uh, is uh, Xenoblades. I, I just, I just, it's the first thing that pops into your head. Yeah, uh, it's like, they're actually very similar in some respects in terms of how they control and such, but. You know, Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii just plays way better than White Knight Chronicles. Yeah, there's a number of of games if somebody was to come to me and say, hey, I want something that feels uh, open world and has some longevity to it, like an MMO, but not necessarily, you know, 2,000 hours. Uh, And definitely, I mean, even Xenoblade uh, Chronicles for the Wii would certainly uh, fill that niche. Um, I mean, hell, Kingdoms of Amalur. I mean, you could spend forever doing these side quests, and they're about as dry as an MMO. But it's it's not two thousand hours, uh, and the combat system is really fun. So, uh, okay, one more, and we gotta shoot this down pretty quick here because we're gonna talk about White Knight Chronicles Origins. Is that the one I'm looking for, guys? Yeah, that's the... Okay, good. All right, developed by SCE, uh, SCE, Japan Studio Matrix Software, published by Sony Computer Entertainment. This was not released in North America, but our friends across the pond in Europe, European Union or whatever, got it at June 8th, 2011, in Japan, February 3rd, 2011. This is a single-player and co-op RPG experience for your PlayStation Portable handheld console. And it must be awesome because it has a cool cover. Yeah, no. No? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I played a couple of hours this game. It's basically, it is a watered-down... It plays like a watered-down version rather than having... Sort of, rather than having sort of one sort of connected story, it's basically the usual sort of PSP style where it just does a bunch of selectable missions. So sort of you'll, you'll go and sort of group missions where you're basically taking out a group of enemies and that'll be one mission then you go do the next mission and so forth so you just mm-hmm. basically work through work through all of those and yeah, yeah. <laughs> story wise I, I haven't actually played it myself but story wise it takes place in the dark age 10, yeah, 10, it's such, yeah the... it is set in that original sort of period 10,000 years ago yeah, I was like, does this game, does it anything to establish why this Queen Athwana of Athwana is actually, you know, a good person? Because that's kind of the hilarious open plot holes in the first game. You're like, you go to all this effort to kind of fight the Australian Empire on behalf of the reincarnated Queen of Athwana, but, you know, they never do a thing to establish that Athwana were the good guys. I mean, the only thing we know about Sisna's previous incarnation is that she was killed by her own subjects. So, it's like... I think Offwan sort of seems good guys under the sort of fact that you're sort of working for them. They are yeah. generally they are basically just assigned as the good guys. There's not actually much motivation as to why the story, why the war is actually going on. It's just 
There is war going on. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have expected too much. Yeah, I mean, the cool thing about it is you're basically part of a mercenary organisation that operates via a train. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Why, uh, of all the things associated with Othwan from Lennon Chronicles 1 and 2, uh, trains is not what I'd pick. Yeah, it's also not exactly the most flexible method of transportation in terms of going on missions and so forth. <laughs> no, Especially seeing as you're supposedly travelling into No Man's Land. Wait, what? Well, it's sort of, it's sort of the, the No Man's Land between the two countries is basically where all the fighting's going yeah, on. So. I mean, it's like, so I've had to wonder, like, how come the knights aren't just like ripping the rails off the trains and showing them down that way? I mean, those things are stupidly powerful. Well, I think, I think during, yeah, I think this is sort of where the knights are created during this game, so I'm relatively certain it sort of basically ends with the knights being sealed away. Yeah, it makes sense. It's how, it's how this game sort of probably ends on that point, but yeah, if you want Portable White Knight Chronicles, it probably does the job, but meh. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, not sure why the, you'd want that, to be honest. The PSP is region free. You can get the game. And, <laughs> because and the PSP the is region free, you two can suffer no matter what version, no matter where you bought your PSP from. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound like it. There are so many good games. We've talked about the PSP to death. There are so many uh, good, 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 good RPG experiences on the PSP. doesn't really sound like this uh, This needs to rise to the top of, of no. your backlog. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, this has been depressing so far. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to take a, a tiny break. I'm not even going to quote the prices to import that piece of crap. I mean, uh, that that wonderful game. Uh, we're going to take a break and uh, come back and see if we can uh, turn these frowns upside down. Uh, we'll be right back. coin is a little bit shorter as we just kind of get right to the meat and potatoes and uh, drive right to the point so we've got actually a trio of games that came out about two years ago and we're going to kick this off with uh, project x zone developed by ban presto a monolith sought published by namco bandai this was uh released on the nintendo 3ds in north america on june 25th 2013 this is a single-player tactical RPG crossover game. This is the first time I've actually seen Wikipedia use crossover game as a genre. 
So I would like to hear Wikipedia use that for the Marvel versus Capcom series too. Gonna because take you for a ride. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, boy, so that we love our tactical RPGs, don't we, Mike? We do. We do. Yeah, Mike and I. That's one thing we have in common. We're like the Wonder Twin Powers activate of tactical RPGs, and uh, that you know, there's one thing we agree on, and that is Project X Zone for the Nintendo 3DS is a very mediocre experience. Well, I, I should give a shout out to the slightly differing viewpoint of our own Michael Baker right now because he apparently played it over a long period and thus was able to not get the repetition shoved in his face day in and day out. I, on the other hand, I got this as a review copy from Mac, who was good enough to pick it up and send it to me. And I felt it was necessary to return his trust by trying to finish the thing as quickly as possible. And with Project X-Zone, oh, that's a great idea. That's so wonderful. So I (laughs) sank, it must have been 70 hours at least into the damn thing. I'd have to drag out the cartridge to see my exact game time. And that's not counting several long battles where somebody got killed who was not supposed to die, and that resets the entire battle, which you can cost you two hours each time if you're stupid. Ouch. Yeah, you... you... Alright, Project Exum. You get a lot of characters, I'll give it that. And almost all of them come with the, at least one of the, of the pieces of music from their respective games, so you get to listen to... You get, awesome... you get, you get characters from all kinds of games, from Capcom, Napco, Bankai, and, and Sega. You get, I mean, like, Chris I'm... Redfield, Dante, Ryu, Chun-Li. You get freaking Cos- uh, Cosmos from Xenosega. You get... Yeah, I, mean, I, gotta, I did a quick shout out. I appreciate them throwing Gotti during Resistance of Fate characters. Like, you wouldn't expect them to show up in a crossover, yeah. but they did, and I have to appreciate that. You got characters from Endless Frontier, Sakura Wars. We've talked about that RPG before. Uh, Shining Force Exa. We talked about that with somewhat of a disappointing stance. Resonance well, of Fate, it, it, Mega it Man X. Shining Force Neo, I'll give it that. Yeah, this is true. Could have been worse. But, I mean, you just got... I mean, the, the cast of characters uh, is impressive, to say the least. And all of them brought one villain from their respective series, and I hope you like fighting that one villain, because you're gonna do it over and over again. Yes, from Mega Man X, you get to fight Vile. And, uh, yeah, I hope you like fighting him, because you're gonna do it at least five times. I I would have to go back and count, but that's more times than you fought him in the actual games. He's <laughs> only in two Mega Man X games. <laughs> uh, you get to fight What's-Her-Face from Shining Force CXA. See, she was such a memorable villain that I completely remember her name. It, and What's-Her-Face will do, because she's got the goofy hairdo and you fight her a whole bunch of times. Um, uh, who was I fighting from, from Street Fighter? It can't have been M. Bison. Or maybe it was. I don't even remember right now. I don't remember! Uh, that was my biggest problem with the story, is there's so many characters, and so, uh, you know, I, the story just ended up being a hodgepodge of very forgettable elements. Well, it, it just involves a whole lot of people who are popping in from other dimensions, and they all wax rhapsodic about, how, how did we get here? How do we get back? I know, let's chase all these bad guys who are fighting us. Maybe they know. No, we beat them up again, but it, it didn't do anything. Let's follow them again and see where we end up. And then... Wow! Wild, weird. We're in another place, which looks familiar to someone. We're in the Dot Hack universe. No, no. Now we're in the Space Channel Five universe. Whoa! Now we're in. Uh, now we're in the Ghosts and Goblins universe. Whoa! Now we're in something from what? What freaking series is Dante in? I can't remember right now. Uh, <laughs> Devil May Cry. Devil May Cry. Thank you. Thank you. 
See, I, I've got too many damn game series running through my head all at once. Uh, but I gotta give it that. It does have an awesome soundtrack. You'll be listening to this to Rue's theme from Street Fighter, and then bam, it'll flip to Arthur's theme from Ghosts and Goblins, and then bam, it'll flip to Zinger Zonbolt's theme from Original Generation, which, you know, I'm fine with that. And then it'll flip to something from Tales of Vesperia. Yeah, did we mention the Tales of Vesperia people are in here? We didn't. There's a lot of characters in this game. And, um, yeah, you, it takes you a good, uh, what are we, about mission 22 or 23 before you finally have everybody. And then you have another 17 missions after that. And they're all... I think I can count on the fingers of one hand while leaving a couple digits free the number of missions where you didn't have to kill every enemy. And that does, and that includes bosses who just keep coming back for more. This is even worse than... Look, as much as I love the Super Robot Wars games, let's face it, there are certain antagonists who you can beat up a lot of times, and they won't really show anything until it's time for them to get their beating in the story. This game, though, you have to beat them up every time, and they'll never show a bruise. Oh, man, you just you just blew me up with 1,500 bullets and bombs and beat the crap out of my brain, and I should be having my bones leak all over the floor, but there, I just dusted myself off. I'm all fine. I'll, I'll fight you next time. I'm fine. That, that trope just gets beaten into the dirt here. Uh... And the combat, I could get behind that if there was anything more to the combat than use all five of your combos each time, because you get five. Remember to pull in your special character, your... I don't remember what they called it. You you have the main combatant pair and somebody on the side who gets to go in for a couple of extra attacks each round. Dump them all in. Whenever you're ready, use your special mega power super attack, whatever it's called in this game. You know what I'm talking about. This Every... Every game that has a gauge that you're charging by landing successful attacks, you know what I'm talking about with this. Use it whenever you can, and have some healing items. Don't worry, random foes drop them all the time, which is good because there are no shops. And keep yourself in good condition, and eventually you'll fight a final boss that you haven't fought before, but he will summon back every other boss in the game to surround him so that you have to deal with them too. Ha 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 ha, say the developers. And... I was very, very ready for it to be over when it finally was. So there, there you, yeah, yeah, and and I lean more towards Mike, even though I was not forced to to play it in one sitting or two sittings or whatever. Um, it was more than one sitting. I cannot play a seventy-hour game on my. 3DS in one sitting. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. You have all these characters and stuff. I like tactical RPGs, but the combat does eventually get repetitive. Um, it, it feels a little, little. it just wears on you. And uh, and the storyline just left me kind of scratching my head. Uh, yeah, it was just, it ended up being kind of forgettable. I mean, it was kind of cool when you saw a character you recognize, like, oh, hey, that's, you know, Chun-Li or whatever. But, yeah, it, it's definitely something that you don't have to rush out to get. If you're looking for something to kind of round out your library and you really have a lot of time on your hands, knock yourself out. I know they announced, and I, I think we might have talked a little bit about the fact that uh, that at E3 they they, 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 they announced Project this as a 2 and I'm asking, I'm, and I was thinking to myself when they announced that, who in the hell was demanding a sequel? Now, obviously, it, the crossover crowd in Japan bought this like, like, letting. yeah. So if you want to buy, apparently, it's the you know, sales in the U.S. is why it got through. So wow. I mean, well, if you, you know, that's why it's announced in the U.S. You know, in English, like show yeah, yeah, that's pretty popular in the, in <laughs> at, the, the West. at the time well, it came out, what? there wasn't let, a let ton of competition this. either. Yeah, I'll say this: there's lots of room to improve in a sequel. 
Well, this is true. So you can get it used uh, for $12 plus shipping and handling. But, of course, I know that our listeners demand the best. They want limited edition, brand new, factory sealed, including the soundtrack and the poster and stuff, which is probably the one I got because uh, I do got the soundtrack here. Uh, that one think, is that a complete soundtrack? There's a lot of music game. Uh, I don't know if it's complete or not. I just know that my copy came with a disc, and I just shoved it in there and ripped it. That's what I do with every one of my games. By the way, I've got a whole bunch of, of CDs sitting in my closet because as soon as I get one of those games with a soundtrack, I sl- I rip it and then I throw it into the Walmart. Anyways, this is eighty dollars. That's what our audience demands. That's what they want. So YouTube, $80 plus shipping and handling, can have uh, Project X Zone limited edition. Um, yeah, let's let's move on. Some of these games are going to be a little expensive tonight, uh, except for this one. Might Magic uh, Clash of Heroes. Now, we're, we're talking specifically about the Android release. And this was uh, released on the Android June 27, 2013, uh, two years ago from three days ago. Uh, this is a this was uh, developed uh, by Capybara Games and uh, published by Ubisoft and Capybara, depending on the platform, I suppose. Um, this is a puzzle adventure RPG experience and it's even got a multiplayer component depending on the platform but uh, I have not played this on the Android. Have any of y'all played this on the Android? No, guess not. Um, I will tell y'all... Hey Phil, I seem to remember that we had a review of one version of this, not the Android version, and we loudly got called out by a certain former forum member who loudly declaimed his immense disgust with us for all of our praise when he hated it. Wow. I can't imagine what forum member that could have been. Could you? No, no, not at all. Um, no. But I, I will. Jeez, I will tell y'all. Awesome, awesome, awesome game. And I have a friend who uh, who did play the port, and and he is enjoying it. But I will tell you, he's using a tablet. I have no clue how you would play this on a tiny Android phone with all those characters on it. Um. But for those of you who may not have heard that backtrack, uh, in Clash of Heroes, Might and Magic Clash of Heroes, you have uh, – there's a story that who nobody cares about it, okay? Something bad guys, something something demons, something something you got to stop them. Really don't care about the story. There's five chapters and each one – maybe four. I want to say five. And each one focuses on a different uh, hero who represents a different class that's available in the game. You start off with um, – was it the elves or the night? The elves. You start off with the elves, and each each race has different troop sets. Uh, when you get into a fight, and that's the meat and potatoes of this game, and it is a puzzle RPG. Uh, you'll see your light soldiers, medium soldiers, and heavy soldiers uh, on the field. And if you line, and they're all different colors, uh, three different colors that are out there. If you line up three of the same color, um, or they touch, yeah, vertically or horizontally they touch each other uh they will activate and 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 within a number of turns there's a little countdown timer on them they will go and attack the other side um if there are troops uh in that column on the other side they'll attack those troops first and it ends up being a strength versus defense thing or health thing and you know if your attackers have more attack than they have health they'll tear right through them if not they'll 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 die in the attempt if you can get through them then your troops will charge to the line on the other side where they'll attack your enemy's hit points directly. It's a little bit easier if you watch a YouTube video and see it in action, but it is pretty cool. Um, As your heroes get into battles more and more, they level up, and the strength of their troops 
that are under their command increases. That's kind of where the RPGE mechanic kind of comes in. Um, you can also you'll also gather resources and use those to hire the the higher end troops you have to hire and they cost resources so there's some strategic decision making as far as should i hire more treants or should i hire more unicorns because in battle they've each got different uh, abilities the bigger troops the higher end troops take up more squares so they're a little bit harder to match up like for a treant he's a two by two creature and you have to actually line up um four uh two two rows of two behind him in order to get him to activate activate and then he takes like four or five turns to go off and but when he does boy he he kind of clears the other side of the screen um there's more to it than that but you can go and watch some youtube videos this has been out on just about every platform i've played it on my handhelds i played it on my computer i've played it on my playstation 3 uh and i've played it on my apple at some point uh, my ipad totally awesome find a way to play this game and play but it is there an atari 2600 version? they're working on it it's coming okay. soon okay so that's enough about clash of heroes last but not least <laughs> it's also a class game we have class of heroes uh, 2 and um you know, Class of Heroes 2, which is developed and I want to say published, I'm not by Ganji Works. Uh, these these guys, uh, I, I for the life of me, I, Gaijin Works. Gaijin Works, yes, Gaiji Gaijin. Ganji that makes me think of Ganji. Yes, Ganji Works. <laughs> I got some family members who work the Gan. No, Ganji Ganji Works. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Class of Heroes 2 came out a couple of years ago. And and I it came out on the PSP. I didn't even know they were still making PSP games, but every once in a while, some crazy person yeah. out there is making a PSP game still. Like Victor Ireland? Yeah. Yeah. It's just insane. I did not get that. I got Class of Heroes 2G, which came out about 18 or 20 months later, and it's a, it's a PlayStation 3 port uh, that works with the uh, with the PSP or the Vita to be like a second screen which is an interesting experience they need to do this with the wii i I don't understand or the wii u i mean i don't understand the wii u i mean the first thing an rp gamer thinks is how cool would it be if i had the map of the dungeon on the screen while i'm playing through the dungeon on the you know on the television and that's what class of heroes 2 2g does uh but we're talking about class of heroes 2 so uh Class of Heroes 2 is a traditional wizardry-style dungeon-crawling combat game. If you go and look at screenshots, they're full of anime, cutesy characters, and you're gonna, if you're a wizardry fan, like I was, uh, and still am, uh, but that course, that series has pretty much gone the way of the dinosaur for the most part, but, uh... No, it's turned into something... It's turned into Class of Heroes, is what it's turned into. Yeah. Yeah, do not let these cutesy characters fool you boys and girls this game has every bit the level of detail the level of depth and the kick you in the rear end hardness that you have come to know and love from the from the wizardry game so please do not let these cutesy characters uh, fool you if you look up screenshots of like uh, the races like the dwarves and the such they're not going to look like any dwarf that you've ever seen before they, they look like furry short anime characters uh, anamorphic almost uh, but they're but they're, 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 they're it's that game's versions of dwarves uh, but they're still they're still super deep they're super grindy they have dungeons that want to f you up 
and turn you around and get you poison and try to kill off your characters. And these are basically the Dark Souls versions of dungeon crawlers with really um, deep stats and stuff underneath the hood. So if you're looking for a deep, time-consuming, <laughs> uh, grindy, uh, uh, deep again deep can't emphasize that enough experience the the item creation experience alone it could take you hours you gather you'll find off of the the bodies of enemies you'll find items and item parts you'll go back to your back to school by the way everything happens in a school but again don't let this fool you the school is just another way of saying the town there there's kind of a harry potter vibe here because you got different classrooms that you can go to like a you know like science class or the laboratory whatever to put stuff together um again it might as well just be a town but there's a the go to the principal to get missions that sort of thing and and it's a really deep 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 system i mean just so many things you can kind of go in spend your time and, and make if you played the first one this one addresses some of the shortcomings of the first game their first attempt uh at doing this um had some frustrating elements that specifically feel like they were um just made uh, were just put in there to make a very unfun experience for the player it's one thing to have a game that's difficult it's another thing to have basic gameplay mechanics that are in no way shape or form explained and and use that ignorance of the rules to kill off players <laughs> yeah. um in classic heroes 2 it's a little bit easier for example the item creation system and the stuff you don't have to sit there with a pen and paper and write things down like you sort of had to do in the first one so i don't know if we ever did an official rp gamer review of that but I'm not going to play all the way through it because, as I've told the guys during the commercial break, uh, you don't beat Class of Heroes games. They beat you. So, yeah. At, at least they, they beat me. Maybe they so, don't. Yeah, do, you have the, do you happen to know how they compare to, like, say, a Train Odyssey? Which is yes, yes, I played both. And Class of Heroes is harder and will kick your ass and <laughs> is see. deeper. And, and you don't get to draw your own dungeon like you do in Etrian Odyssey. Um... I, I feel like with both games you need an, an FAQ uh, to get the to understand everything that's going on with the game. I kind of felt like, with, especially with like the first Etrian Odyssey or two, you know, originally on the DS when I was playing those, I had to go and look up what because Etrian Odyssey would say, uh, you know, if you take this skill, it said fire up with an up arrow. Well, well does that mean my fire skill goes up a lot? Five percent, ten percent, twenty percent? What the hell does that mean? Is it worth me spending a point, or should I go for another skill? that says hit points up and maybe that's gonna raise my hit points 20 percent, but it's just gone up there i have no idea so i go and i would look online class of heroes is is even worse than that uh it, like for example in class of heroes the the difficulty begins as soon as you even build a party together because certain classes and races race combinations i should say work well with other race and alignment combinations and you want to have them all have this good vibe because there's a score that's running a relationship score that's running underneath the hood of the game which drives the team's effectiveness so you can gimp yourself just in the party creation right from the beginning now this subject is touched upon in the initial tutorial there is kind of a hey let's show you the school let's kind of introduce you to your teachers and 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 if you have some questions here's a help file 
you know, in the library. Uh, there is some of that at the beginning, which which gives you a an eagle's eye view that these mechanics exist. But if you want to know the nuts and bolts of how they work, um, and I'm trying to remember, one of the things about Class of Heroes 2G anyways is that it came with a bloody thick instruction book, like the old days. Um, but absent of that instruction book, if you're buying the PSP version, which I think those things do kind of come with a, like a freaky online manual. But to be honest, I just went to FAQ. <laughs> So, but you'll be hitting it up harder in Class of Heroes 2 than you will have in, in a typical Etrian Odyssey game. Because, holy cow. Uh, we do have Etrian Odyssey 2. We do have a review. Ha ha! Glenn did play it all the way through. Ah, God bless his art. This is the one thing about RPG reviews, boys and girls. We play our games all the way through and then give you our opinion of the entire game. And he says, uh, it has a fast pace of dungeon exploring and combat with lots of character and equipment customization. That's that deep stuff I told you about. It has amusing uh, dialogue, but it lacks a tutorial or explanation of the mechanics. It has a terrible interface for item management, and alchemy remains a necessary evil. Um, it's deep, and it's got a steep barrier to just getting inside the game. Whereas Etrian Odyssey, I felt like I could, I, I felt like jumping into Etrian Odyssey when I played it, anyways. Um, but he gave it a three point five out of five, so he he clearly enjoyed it, um, despite that the fact that it does have it still has some drawbacks. It's not as bad as the first game, <laughs> but uh, but if you're a newbie to dungeon crawlers, uh, do not jump into Classic Heroes two. <laughs> no, That's no, against my expectations, but interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, boy. Oh boy, they went wizardry old school in this one. I'd rather go back and I mean, as far as like introducing somebody, I I will say I would. Well, of course, I'd rather play Wizardry Eight because I just love that game to death. But uh, even if I had a new person, I want to introduce them to the series. I would I would go with Wizardry Eight first. If I just wanted to introduce them to dungeon crawlers, I might go with something like um, I don't know, Demon Gaze. That was kind of simple. Yeah. It just Demon got... Gaze is a bit more intro level, I think, compared yeah. to others. Yeah, and Etrian Odyssey is like three or four, probably not a bad intro. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're hard, right. But. Well, and and I hear the I haven't actually played uh, played enough of it yet, but I heard that the Etrian Odyssey on the 3DS, the the remake, is that yeah. more beginner friendly or no? I've only played the demo, but it definitely seems maybe a bit more than say the original Etrian Odyssey. I imagine. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I, t- I tell you, it's another testament to the PSP just being an absolute RPG uh, powerhouse. So go and check that out. You can get that off the PSN store, I'm sure. Okie doke. Well, that's enough for the blast from the recent past. We'll be, uh, we're going to take a little break and we'll wrap this up with the final lap. up with the final lap where we just kind of do all the kitchen sink stuff including reading your comments and the such um and and the heck we'll be talking about a, another game soon we don't know what another game yeah we don't know what we're gonna talk about next we're, we're kind of hitting 
We are going to do Crystallis soon. Crystallis. We are going to do it. Somehow, Crystallis is going to get done. I mean, Crystallis will happen, and if it doesn't happen next, then it'll be, oh my, that will be the time to talk about the follow-ups to Deus Ex. Uh, the, cr- the, the lousy Deus Ex and the not-as-lousy Deus Ex. No, let's talk about Crystallis instead, because that's like the real man Zelda. The real man Zelda. Okay. Uh, we'll get there when we get there. All right, so we got some comments about our last episode, number 145, A Whale in Space, where we discussed Final Fantasy IV. Victor says, I love hearing Phil's rage stories. Do you, Victor? Do you really get enjoyment out of my pain, my anguish, my frustration, my anger? Let me tell you something, Victor. It's a good thing that you don't know me personally, because if you did, if you were in this room with me when I was playing Final Fantasy IV DS, you would find something out very quickly. You know what that would be? You would find out that you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. So don't make me angry, because you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. But he's saying he loves you, not that he hates you. He wouldn't if he was here in front of me, because, yeah, I'm just ugly, just green with rage when I'm angry. Uh, you don't even get to be a brilliant scientist to compensate, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, need, I do need to sit down and play the PSP version that doesn't have all those fancy, uh, weird-ass systems added in, just to see if I can get past that one a little bit easier. I, I don't know why I was, like, one of the few, the proud, the mini, that seemed to have such an issue uh, getting through that game. I do wonder if it either... Now, I, I, will, I will freely admit that sometimes Phil has short patience because Phil does not have a lot of free time. But I'm telling you, I really like like the first time I, I rage quit that game, I would chalk that up to lack of patience. But when and I don't do this very often, very rarely, but when I go back to a game that pissed me off years ago, and I went back to that Nintendo DS version like two years later, and I'm like, I'm gonna give this the old college try. And this time I'm gonna be patient, I'm gonna grind. And when I do that, and I still get my ass kicked. Oh yeah, that's rage yeah. on a whole different level. I don't level. think grinding helps much against the kind of malicious boss design in Final Fantasy The behemoths on the moon were kicking my ass. I don't know why. I still remember them to this day. Do you guys remember many random encounter enemies in the video games you play? I don't. I'm playing Dragon Quest Six right now. I don't even remember the last random guy I fought. I don't remember what he was. Was he a fish, a turtle? Hell, if I remember. <laughs> but I remember those damn behemoths. They were not bosses. Those were random enemies because they were random enemies that kicked my ass. Random enemies don't generally kick your ass. It, it, once in a while, it's a fluke. One of them cast a death spell or something like that. But to, to TPK your entire group, random enemies... That, that and, and then and then reload it, and this time you expect him, so you're like, damn it, this time I'm going to buff. I'm going to take these guys seriously. I'm not going to treat these guys like random encounters. I'm going to treat these guys like bosses and then still get TPK'd? Oh, no. That, that my friend, that's why I started drinking five years ago. Games <laughs> like that. That's exactly why. Because that should not be allowed. That That's, that's something. That's poor game balance design. Something. I seem to remember those behemoths having an, a trick in the original game. Something like you can't use – you have to alternate between magic and physical attacks or something. Okay, you know I, I got the trick. Was. I got the trick. You know what it is? It's called turning off my DS, ripping out the cartridge, throwing it on the floor, taking a hammer, and smashing it 50 times. That's the trick. Those behemoths never bothered me again. Damn behemoth. All right, moving on. Okay, now that we've learned the secret method to beating behemoths, everybody – 
this may not work out for everyone, especially if you have a digital copy. That's much less satisfying. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know, you can just... <laughs> <laughs> Shaman says... Uh, reasons I the PSP collection is the definitive version in his opinion. The Lunar Ruin content is better than the DS version's added content. The After Years doesn't have the We Were version's RNG, uh, the random uh, doohickey, random encounter rate, that makes the challenge dungeons more fun to play. And he kind of prefers having Yang in the in-game party of Final Fantasy IV instead of Age, Edge, I mean, whose presence he didn't understand. And then Lol Whoops chimes in to say that this game holds dubious honor of being the one he played the most times on different systems while still hating it. Absolute worst part is he'll probably play it again because it was one of the first RPGs he remembers watching the brother play on the Super Nintendo and it has some powerful nostalgia locks. And now he wants a remake of Final Fantasy V on the Vita. Uh, talk to Square Enix, not us. <laughs> Sadly, mm. Final Fantasy V does not seem very high on the remake. Very sad. But hey, we, we've still got the GBA version, which is pretty darn good. So check that out if you haven't. That's a good game. It is. Ocelot, Ocelot Becky says, Yes, I'm glad that it is my first and only Final Fantasy play for Final Fantasy IV playthrough was on the PSP Complete Collection, though I never did get very far in the after years. Lacking the dense fog of nostalgia. Hey, that is not... A, my nostalgia is not a dense fog. Holy cow, it is a precision laser of remembrance, okay? She says, I'm definitely not as connected to the character as some people are. What? Is she is she is she insulting me in a way, Mike? I don't think so. Sorry, Kane lovers. She, Freya she, is the bestest FF dragoon in her book. She even has back legs for jumping. Freya is in Final Fantasy Nine. Well, I know that. Yeah, okay. Okay, my memory is precision. All right, precision, I tell you. And, and, and... It was definitely not for you, Phil. It was for every... All three people out there who might not remember who Freya is. Okay, and I'm totally not Googling up Freya right now to see what she... Holy cow, she does have those kind of... No, no, not, no. Sharp memory. Sharp. And, and, and don't you knock Final Fantasy IV because it was awesome. Okay, just, depending upon the version of it we're speaking of. Right? Uh, depending on the version. And it, it wasn't as good as 6, but nothing can be. Because uh, you can't get better than perfection. Uh, Boudet. 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 Boudet says, Boudet? good Boudet? Good episode. It's crazy how much happens in Final Fantasy IV without the game being too long. Even the original version of some grinding was to be had at the moon. I think the best spot was the very first room in Bahamut's... No! What the hell? No! No! I, you mainly fight those women with glowing swords. Good experience and you can pop right back in to use it, Kevin. Boudet. No. No. Read my lips. No. No. The Behemoth Cave was not quote-unquote fun. It was not quote-unquote a fun place to grind. No. Right now, you can't see this because this is a podcast and it's audio only, but right now... Both my middle fingers are at my webcam, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, no, no. The Behemoth Cave is a piece of crap, all right? Just no, no. It is the worst designed dungeon in the history of role-playing games. Effing Behemoths, I swear. It's everything I can do not to, not to drop too many F-bombs because then I'll be editing this podcast all night with Amperstan. <laughs> you have only yourself to blame, <laughs> Uh, that's that's what that one dungeon and that and at least in the DS version. I don't know how I, I just I had no problems as a teenager. I just breezed right through the SNES version, and it was short. I mean, for a, a role playing game, it was um, relatively a, a short yeah. experience. The SNES version 
<laughs> so remember, you too can leave your comments and raise Phil's blood pressure at forums at rpgamer.com. Join in on the discussion, or just go to rpgamer.com and hit our forum links on the left. Convenient to locate forums are all over our website. So, And speaking of our website, man, RP Gamer is the place to go for all kinds of role-playing game news and reviews. And, of course, here at RPG Backjack, we're more interested in the retro stuff. And there's a lot of retro stuff on the site lately. For example, a review about uh, about a game uh, that that you can't even see it because it's invisible. And it's by this guy named Mike Jew Mason, whoever the hell that is. And it's uh, it's called Deus Ex, so uh, Invisible War. So you can go and check that out. Apparently he loved it because he gave it a two out of five. And uh, and yeah, I mean, look at these graphics. How much have you drunk tonight, Phil? These graphics are just awesome. Is that is that is that some? anti-aliasing i've seen going on there that is beautiful that is great there's some there's some light filter effects on that screenshot so yeah yeah check it out of course we're gonna we're we're not gonna go into details in that review because i I get the feeling we're gonna hear about it in a not too future distant future uh so and if you have been keeping up with the site uh our very own michael baker has been methodically going through the quest of glory a quest for glory series if you're not familiar that was a series of point-and-click adventure games with some deep role-playing game mechanics and themes uh, and jokes. Uh, it, I mean, I played the first Quest for Glory way back in like the late 80s, early 90s. And I mean, you start off the game picking between fighter, rogue, and wizard. And that not only dictates you know how combat's going to kind of work out for you, but how you approach the various puzzles in the game. Because ultimately, this is a point-and-click adventure experience. But there is some some combat, and back in the day, this was was handled with a very rudimentary, uh, over-the-shoulder kind of combat mechanic where you could dodge by pressing left and right and thrust your sword by pressing forward. And if you're a wizard, you could cast a couple of spells and the such. Um, but it, it, I mean, you talk about you talk about uh, a walk through memory lane. There was re- the whole series was released on GOG, um, including not only Quest for Glory One but its VGA remake. And, uh, and and Mike's been going through it, and he's just recently put up uh, Quest for Glory 3. He's up to 3 now. So, yeah, you can go and read those reviews uh, and take a trip down memory lane and or decide whether or not you want to go and try out those games for yourself because they're pretty easy to obtain and play on your modern computers thanks to our friends at GG. Such a huge so, and you only get that at rpgamer.com. It's very, it's an awesome thing. You go and visit our site, and you never know what kind of retro reviews you're going to run into. And uh, we'll hint, <clears throat> view our site with ad blocker. <clears throat> so much easier. <clears throat> wow, so much pretty. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Phil. No, Look, no. Those gigantic, those gigantic PG&E ads and car commercials were all everything I wanted from the side of my gaming site. Oh boy, it really enhanced my experience when a 4x4 pickup truck started taking up the whole screen while I was reading a review because my mouse wandered to the wrong area. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, 
check out our site. Lots of cool weird, a little silly advertising. Uh, stop you. <coughs> Block. Uh, just, just head on over there. So let's see, let's see, let's see. What else do we have? I guess we have roundtable discussions. Yay! Uh, let's see. Mr. Uh, Emptier had to leave, so he's not on the call anymore. Good night, Alex. But we do good. have still Actually, Nathan. for him, it's good morning now. Good morning, that's right. At this time of year, I think the sun is already rising for him. <laughs> Poor guy. What a trooper comes on the show in the middle of the night, morning, whatever. How about you, Mr. Nathan? What's new with you? What you doing? Which, what? Um, ongoing Final Fantasy XIV addiction. But so, not so... too soon, because it's still in the middle of Heaven's Word. And Heaven's Word just launched. I'm only about a week into it. It's been awesome. First time actually going into an expansion for MMO, like, just first time I've ever done it. And it's interesting. It's been fun. It's been a little crazy. I was a little overwhelmed. All right, so 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 if I jump in now with my level 4 character, am I going to get right into the expansion? No, it'll probably take you a while. Since you need to clear the 2.0 main scenario quest line, and on top of that, you need to complete the 2.55 main scenario quest lines. Between... And all of the uh, basically, Square Enix put out an amazing patch cycle for putting quite a bit of content every hundred days. And so, you know, that added up across the, the 2.1 through 2.5 patches. So now there's about as much main story from 2.1 through 2.5 as there was in all of main 2.0 retail version. So you have to go through all of that to really get started with the expansion. Mm-mm. And that's one of the things about you know Final Fantasy. Uh, where it really contrasts with other MMOs because you do have this really um, good story that goes through it, and in some points it does drag a little bit. Yeah, but in two point zero, it's like it was rushed. They had to fill it out with some really annoying stuff. Like I will never for like that banquet was, t- was <laughs> the banquet. The banquet. That's all we'll say. The banquet. Uh, but you know the thing I like about Heaven Sword is that so far it hasn't had anything like that. It's actually been much more focused. It feels like. It's both great politics, but also with the point of time, it's like it feels like a grand classic Final Fantasy adventure. Like, I don't know, I've felt like I've had this great feeling of exploration great, and a fun journey since like Final Fantasy Nine. It's been kind of a surprising and fun. Now, I don't, I don't know. Without a banquet, though, I mean, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, you guys will definitely uh, want to check that out. It's, it's, but it, it definitely is like the first time I remember playing an MMO where I could actually remember what the hell was going on with the story and got a little attached to the, you know, to the NPCs and stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, so, you know? A lot of NPCs just recur enough that you, just, you get to know them pretty well. Yeah. Like, MMOs are an interesting venue for storytelling considering that, you know, they're so ongoing. It's not just a one-and-done thing, but you don't have to wait for worry about sequels because it's constantly being supported. Isn't the story still going for the long supported? run? Isn't, isn't Final Fantasy XI still being supported to some degree? Sadly, no. Well, okay. technically, yes. This year, the, up to the end of the year, is interesting. The very final story, which point it's going to be, it's lasted this long. So. Are, are they pulling the servers? They're pulling the the PS2 servers early next, but the PC servers will go on going for the indefinite future. Mm-mm-mm. But they're just they're actually ending the overall support of new content uh, as of like November. This. I mean, my... They're doing the final story to wrap up all the storylines. Uh, yeah, you gotta ask, because, I mean, my wife's still playing Ultima Online. But that's from a freaking 97 or something like that. <laughs> I mean, hell. Uh, yeah, that was a while ago. Is anybody still playing EverQuest out there? Yes, I think EverQuest is still getting expansions. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it really is. So, um, 
Cool, cool. Yeah, you definitely. Uh, if you're in MMOs and you haven't tried out Final Fantasy fourteen, you, you you really really should. Especially yeah. if you're one of those people out there who's like, boy, I miss back when I was your age. You know, our our MMOs had this or this or this. Um, you know, I I really felt like Final Fantasy fourteen has done a really good job of. Of, of bringing back some of the the stuff of the old school MMOs, uh, well, while I mean, blending it with the new I mean, with a new with some of the new new mechanics and and like I mean, Dungeon I, Finder and stuff. I mean, I won't say it's really old school. I mean, as a person who you know, survived early EverQuest, it's like it's actually very different from that. Well, like I feel like it's new school, and like for example, you do have to work your way through the content. To to get yeah. and that's why I kind of asked that yeah, question at like, the beginning. So far, they've resisted doing things like what Blizzard's done of you know, just shortcutting you just content. Yeah, like not- like like yeah, right. Because with Blizzard, if it's a new expansion, you just press one button and you're in the new content. I mean, hell, their last expansion had gave you an automatic level up to ninety. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're not going that route. You know, they're actually still finding ways to drag people to content. That's still a pretty good way of leveling up for the new content. And there's, you know, they're still preserving some of the mechanics from the old content. And they, you, know, you still have to go through the entire story up to this point. And well, and there's faster and easier, but right, there's a point. point but they, right, there's a point because unlike WoW and stuff, there's not, you know, there's a story that if you did just bam leveled up to whatever, you'd miss you know, out you'd on all that content. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, and then and, you know, and I'll tell you, like I when I Nathan when I first joined World of Warcraft when it first came out vanilla, um, I uh, we had a lot of role playing going on, and I was really kind of interested in lore and the story and the such. Then every year or two, another expansion would come out. I rejoin it, but it kind of you know kind of changed. I'm not saying it's bad or it's good, but it kind of changed because uh, you know partly because of that mentality towards their story and their game being a little bit of a throwaway. That that now you go into those things and people are just like go go go, and it's just about grinding up your gear to get the numbers so you can take on the next dungeon. Whereas with Final Fantasy fourteen. You really do feel it's a there that the story and the NPCs and the the characters and whatever they play an important role. What's going? On. Your character plays an important role uh, with what's going on in the story. It almost feels like a real role playing game and not just a number cruncher grind that calls itself an RPG. Yeah, I mean your character has no lines or anything, and no clear characterization, but you know you still have a such a clear identity in the world that's acknowledged, respected, that you kind of at least have to appreciate that far more than you get in World of Warcraft. Yeah, I mean, you'll be walking around and the NPC, uh, the NPCs as you're going through the story, they'll be recognizing your previous achievements and stuff. Uh, and I finally got a little, I think that was one of the things that, fr- that frustrated me with Mr. Pandera. Um, it, it, it opened up where you're storming this beach and you're feeling like you're a general in the army, but it quickly devolved to, I'm just another guy wandering around. Nobody knows who the hell I am. But with Final Fantasy fourteen, it, it crescendos up as you do more things in the land and people recognize you more, and it's just part of the story. Yeah, I mean, the praise you get early on in Final Fantasy fourteen, the amount of recognition you get very early on, feels a little out of place. I mean, it feels like, you know, you can hold too much credit here. Oh, yeah. That much. Yeah. But, you know, by the time you hit level 50, by the time you've gone through most of the patch storyline, you feel like, hey, I've earned this. I've done all this crazy stuff. Praise me more. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking for an MMO that has, you know, brings back the importance of storyline, um, you know, you really feel like being in the guild is important as well. Um, but, you know, there's just – and it's very pretty too. Very pretty. So, yeah, I would I, – I, I could certainly recommend it. Uh, what else, Nathan? Anything else you want to share? Oh, um, I am once again doing the annual 
Final Fantasy four job Final Fantasy five four job fiesta starts around this year at this time of the year every year. You know. Which is you know, people are randomly assigned four jobs from Final Fantasy five and asked to run through as a challenge. And I usually do this pretty well. Sometimes I have to grind because I always stick to Red Mage and Red Mage sucks. Uh, this year I've in the, under the new chaos rules, it was unpredictable, and so I've been stuck with two berserkers. Oh man, two berserkers is not an easy way to get this game. Though it's going more smoothly than I expected. <laughs> no, that there are a lot of enemies where physical attacks are just not the best idea. Yeah, so many things where physical attack means eat a meteor to the face or something like that. It you have to sometimes you just have to let your berserkers die. Sometimes you just need to stop magic on them. But I've been lucky that I've been had a mystic knight and a time mage, my other two jobs, support the berserkers well and you know take care of things. It's been going pretty well so far. About halfway through it, so uh, we'll see how I do in the hardest final in the third world. But Forge Jump Fiesta is a great way to play Final Fantasy V. I recommend anyone who likes Final Fantasy to try the challenge. I think it's a testament to Final Fantasy V that there's so many ways you can. Yeah, it's you know, like you know, I'm stuck with two berserkers, and that's totally viable. So long uh, as it wasn't four berserkers, that would be difficult. Oh no, people have beaten the game with four berserkers. It's I'm sure it's doable. It's doable, but it must be a horrible slog. It's like being doable and being pleasant are not the same. Yeah, well, I call it a slog, but that might be compared too much to White Knight Chronicles. It's not as bad as White Knight Chronicles <laughs> slog. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah, think you know, even if you take your the most time possible with Final Fantasy V that you're going to be taking 2,000 hours to get everything done in it. <laughs> no way. Yeah, Final Fantasy V. Other people say name other games, but still my favorite Final Fantasy game. Well, it's I... not my favorite, but it's... I'm not going to say boo. That's a damn fine game and deserves more people to play it. Cause... Yeah, no, I agreed. Like, and I... I I played it just a year or two ago, so I'm definitely not looking at it with nostalgia, you know, glasses. And I really enjoyed uh, my time with it. And yeah, with the fact that you can do all the class combinations with those characters, that really gives it a lot of re- replayability that I really don't have with, I don't know, Final Fantasy IV. You know, so just uh, I wonder why out there. that one suddenly popped your tongue. And you know what? Final <laughs> Fantasy V doesn't have... A behemoth cave. No. For some reason, boys and girls, I was able to beat Final Fantasy V without too much problem. The only time I really got a little frustrated with V was there's this one treasure chest towards the end of the game, a little bit off to the <laughs> side. It yeah, looks. I think you're talking about Shiryu. It looks yeah, easy enough. It looks I inviting. That the hard way, I remember. Yeah, we all find that out the hard way. We all die. Yeah. But, I mean, you can avoid that treasure chest. Behemoths are random encounters in this huge-ass cave. There's no avoiding them. They just kick your ass. Stupid-ass behemoth. I sense some hostility. Maybe that was my imagination. Maybe it's all disappeared. Anything else, Mr. Schlothen? Um, not much I can talk about. My PS3 is dying with a personal component. How do you know it's dying? Like, what's happening? Because it, it, it takes, like, ten minutes of turning it on and dealing with corruption and it just turning it off five seconds after I turn it on to try to, before it finally stays on. It, wow, it, that's not good. Yeah. You don't have one of the backward compatible, do you? No, it's some slim. Oh my gosh, if I had a backwards compatible that was doing that, I I would literally hold a funeral service for it. I feel Wait, so you sad. You have a backward compatible, Phil. I know, but if it was doing that, 
I'm now, now, I tell you what, I, and I've mentioned this before, how nervous I am about that thing dying one day because it's not really replaceable. It's not like there's a ton of those. I'm sure it's replaceable for a pretty penny. But, um, uh, you know, I got like this red blinking light on the front and I've Googled it and I don't know, something about hard drive, something, something, something. But it keeps working just fine except for that red light. Every once in a while it does something weird and I have to reset it. But so far still working, cross your fingers. Yeah, I think mine was working just fine until a few weeks ago, and suddenly this error pops up, and I can barely get started. And every day it's a little bit harder to get started. I know sometime soon it's going to fail, which point I'm going to need to buy a PS4 to actually play Fossil 14 again. I'll have to find some solution for my PS3 games I haven't beaten. Yeah. yeah this always happens to me. At some point, PlayStation. Like, this happened to my PS2. Eventually it died and it replaces it. It feels like its curse is continuing. No. No. Sorry, I just need to rant a little bit. <laughs> I would want to rant too. Poor PlayStation. Uh, how about you, Mr. Minky? What do you want to rant out? Uh, okay. Well, Mac and I put up Google reviews for Lord of Magna, Made in Heaven. And mine was the less positive appraisal of the game, although I did like the music and the combat was okay. But the game as a whole, I uh, was more or less unable to play for long stretches because it threatened to put me to sleep. And uh, I can't think of any better way to phrase it than this thing bored me to tears. I fight things. They're boring. I get lots of palette swaps for boring enemies. I get a whole bunch of girls. And yeah, they each control differently in a fight, but they all have silly one-note personalities except for... I cannot recommend this game. Unless, of course, you like to play something that puts you to sleep. Maybe you need a sleep aid, and in this case, uh, maybe it'll help you. I don't know. I also played Deus Ex Invisible War, which we will be talking about in the near future, so I won't spoil anything now, except to say that any game on w- in which I can stand on pigeons and they don't do anything has something wrong. What? First-hand experience. There, there are pigeons in Trier, Germany. And they just kind of mill around on the sidewalk, and you can move on to them and just stand there and look down and see, yep, that pigeon is definitely underneath me, and I am apparently weightless because I am not doing it any harm at all. I I see. That is quite fascinating. This is a very interesting programming choice. I think we can all agree. And I played something called Swords and Darkness, which Mac gave me last Friday. I took four hours to beat it, and I probably could have taken two if I'd stopped grinding for a bit. And remember that show we did last fall, Phil? The one about the beat-em-ups fusing with RPGs? Mm-hmm. Swords and Darkness is a game like that, except worse than all the games we talked about on that show. I mean, if I'm playing a beat-em-up, at the very least, it might be nice to occasionally throw a different enemy at me, but this game uses the same damn enemies in each room. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Later on, they have a different color. Ooh. The uh, first color the first color can heal itself. The second color can throw things at you. Otherwise, they have exactly the same move, do exactly the same thing. Except the new, the new color takes more hits to kill. And then later you find a third color. I don't remember what that one does because it was a pain to fight. Uh, and you have bosses. Yeah, you've got the, the guy in a robe who you kill first. And then after you kill him, instead of fighting two enemies at a time, you fight three. In each room, three enemies will attack you. You kill them one by one, and gradually you'll kill them off, and then after about 15 seconds of the room being free, more enemies will pop out. Isn't that great? Sounds awesome. (laughs) Uh, You know how much fun it is when 
you're fighting near the edge of a screen and you accidentally touch the edge of the screen and then you transition to the next room so that you have to start all over. Isn't that awesome? I love that. That's mm-hmm. a great interface. Oh, and this is one of the best parts. Every time you pause the game, and you know you might want to have to do that to access Tori, to grab a healing item, to use the skill points you get when you get a level, you hear this. Pause. 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 Every time you pause the game, you hear that. Because you were too stupid to know it without the game telling you, right? <clears throat> I love it when games treat me as if I have no idea what I'm doing and need reminded of it. I hit the start button. What did that do again? Oh, thank you, game. You have told me. I am not confused anymore. Um, I beat the final boss, who revitalizes a couple of earlier bosses so he can help out by running from to one end of the screen. It's a long enough screen that he has to scroll to the side with you, so he chases you, hitting him with something there, and then running to the other side again. Over and over and over and over again, I did that until he died. That was my strategy, and it was a great nice. strategy because it worked. Uh, I could go in-depth into the mechanics of this game, or I could just say that you can play any given Streets of Rage, Final Fight, Guardian Heroes, Dungeons & Dragons, Capcom arcade game, Golden Axe, Code of Princess. I could keep going. There are so many better games than this. Oh, yes, and the, and the localization is awful. How the hell do you localize something for English release and leave Itemu in there? Dragon's Crown. What? I itemu wow, it's like that's... or dexterity or agility with two l's um, you see this wow. every time you go in there and mess around with skill points so you're not going to forget it this is this is classic work i i could have done anything else with 4 hours i could have done so many other things that would have been far more worth my time and i'll talk about one of them right now because i did it when i got bored with this game and wanted to do something else i got dipped back into rift tracks i i haven't watched any for a little while and this is a Rift Tracks that will be very relevant to this show because it was the Rift Tracks for the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean the one where the you know the I don't know if they were Goombas or what really big huge bulky guys little teeny tiny heads yeah and they and, were created by by a division machine which somehow only shrinks their heads their bodies stay the same that makes yeah. sense right yeah and and they and, and the mario <laughs> brothers got these big nope, jumping nope. ass no nope, phil they're not brothers that's just for marketing purposes mario is the adoptive father of oh, luigi oh right 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 and he was luigi was really younger and had no mustache what was up with that maybe john Leguizamo couldn't entice to it <laughs> I don't know. That whole movie was such an F-up. I mean, that wasn't even B-rate. That was like D-rate. I mean, it was just... That was... Yeah. I mean, you can maybe kind of enjoy it when I was a kid. <laughs> even when I was a kid, I was like, what the beep was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is... What have they done to Mario? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, hell, I, and I get it. Like, back in the day... Uh, growing up watching like the incredible you know the bill bixby version of the incredible hulk and stuff they didn't have cgi they had puppets and things like that they had low budget special effects there was only so much they could the do effects. but this was made in 93 it was not advanced very far yeah if you just look at any one scene in this you'll go huh that looks vaguely like a mesh of blade runner and total recall except much uglier that the look is not inherently the problem it's more the it feels like Half a dozen different people all had a different idea of what this was going to be, and none of them thought it should resemble the game in any way except a few names thrown in. Remember the little tiny bob thingy? Yeah, that was 
kind of funny, but I was like, huh? I mean, no, yeah. remember, remember Yoshi? There he is. He looks like he just came off of the Carnosaur set. What the heck? As a, he stepped right out of Jurassic Park. As a kid, <laughs> I vastly enjoyed the Transformers cartoon movie a hell of a lot more. Just say it did. You know, I mean, I think I just liked the, like every normal show they had from you know, far more than. Normal. I know. I've got, I've got in my closet. I've got the Super Mario Brothers show. I bought off of Best Buy when it was on sale, and I've got the second one, the Super Mario Brothers show three or whatever, off the third game. But I don't have the movie. Why? <laughs> because it was that bad. Yeah, like, who wants to own that movie? Well, the good thing is with Rift Tracks, you don't have to buy the movie. They have. You can just download it, sync the Rift, so that you don't even have to own the game. And with Rift Tracks is the right way to watch. It when, is. When when Princess Daisy, why Daisy? Freaking remembers Daisy. Says, trust the fungus. They say, pulsating fungus hasn't been the hero of a movie since Rob Schneider. I, well, I found that funny. difference in humor, I suppose. Well, how about... That whole why, show has a different... Why did need to have the Mushroom Kingdom established? Oh, it's not a Mushroom Kingdom if there isn't some fungus around. Wasn't that a great idea? To have the Mushroom Kingdom literally be the kingdom of a fungus? A fungus stuck on the wall? Ew. Yeah. 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 Not, anyway. not, not one of video gaming's proudest moments. Oh, well, I don't know what was worse, that one or the He-Man move. I just... Uh. What, Masters of the Universe? Yeah. Uh, that was, I'm remembering, you know, I've watched that for the first time since I was a kid a few years ago, and I can't remember much at all about it. Yeah. It's weird. It's like my memory is not letting me do this. It it was pretty bad. <laughs> I or, remember thinking or, Dolph Lundgren was well cast. Or the Turtles, what was it, the third one or the fourth one, where, where their plastic suits all look so bad and their faces scared me. They were like the Cabbage Patch doll versions of the Turtles. The third <laughs> one had more problems than that. <laughs> but that was that was also 1993, Phil. I know Super Mario Brothers. Something this, went wrong that year. This was just a bad, bad year. Cool. All right, what else, Mike? Uh, what else? I saw Jurassic World. I'm not alone in that. You I liked not? it. Did, did you see Jurassic World, Phil? Hell no, I don't go out to theaters. <laughs> did you see it, Nathan? Jurassic World? Oh no! Like for me, I, I watched Jurassic Park and I liked it. I don't know. Do I ever want to watch another one? I'm not that much of a movie person. No, it takes a lot to drag me to the theaters. Uh, yeah, that's probably about all I've got. Unless you want to hear me talk about Inside Out, but that's... Oh, yeah, nah. Talk as much as you like. But... Nah, I- I'm trying to limit myself in the fun. So, so, let's see. I've been kind of going through some of my backlog and just trying out some, some things that have been sitting, you know, in my Steam and stuff, and just, you know just farting around with them a little bit so I can kind of get a feel for them. And I played some Skyrim. And it's really interesting playing Skyrim while you're listening to the Game of Thrones audiobook. Because (laughs) (laughs) if you're familiar with both of those, uh, then you know that they both have this strong, low-magic, snowy theme thing going on. You know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Um, I'm it's interesting how uh, Skyrim really does have a low magic look to it. I mean, it's just kind of some washed out colors. I took a screenshot of a character, my character, and uploaded it. Very realistic looking, very gritty looking. I like that. 
um, not the super bright, beautiful, or um, you know, like like exaggerated artwork that you see in World of Warcraft with huge ass shoulder pads and a shield that's three times as tall as they are, or a sword that's uh, you know eighty feet tall. No, this is much more. You know, much more realistic, you know, like the leathers and the furs, uh, the small shield, um, realistic looking weapon and shading and dirt. So uh, it was interesting that it just reminded me of Game of Thrones because listening to Game of Thrones, it's a very uh, I'm in the first book listening to it on the road. It's very dark and it's gritty and it's realistic. And there's I'm sure eventually magic and I've heard dragons pop in later on and the such. But you know so far in the first book it's it, it nothing that i'm hearing so far would have been out of place in medieval england i mean that's the very definition of low magic you know low uh a low not magic low fancy thank you thank you sorry <laughs> um so yes they both feel very low fantasy and they look very snowy and they look very yeah my my yeah very cool very cool the uh, works really well on the computer with the high resolution texture pack, which I found out in Steam. You have to go uh, search for the high resolution texture pack, add it to your cart. It's free, but then you know add it essentially to your account, so it will automatically download onto your Skyrim. Very very interesting. The one thing that's ticking me off is a nitpicky thing. I know, but in Oblivion, one of the things I really liked was when I was in the inventory screen. It would show me my character from like the waist up or so on the right-hand side with the inventory listing on the left-hand side. And as I equipped each piece of armor, it would immediately show that piece of armor on the character. And they were taking up half the screen. It's a widescreen monitor, so there's plenty of space for them on the right-hand side with my inventory listing on the left-hand side. And uh, yeah, you could kind of, you could see in real time how how different pieces of armor impacted your character's looks. And you could do screenshots and say, hey, look how badass I look with this, you know, really awesome helmet of divinity that I just found. Uh, in Skyrim, the menus are very clinical. In fact, even the font doesn't really seem to match what's, doesn't match a fantasy game to me. It almost looks like it looks, I mean, great, it's all Bethesda, but it looks like it, it belongs in Fallout. If it was a green color, it would look like just like the Fallout font. Um, it just, the font doesn't even match, but whatevs. The the menu itself, the inventory screen, is the worst screen I have ever seen. It's just a listing, a text listing of all the items and all of your armors in one subcategory together, the gloves, the helmet, everything. You're scrolling through 30 pieces to find that one shield uh, to equip it. But there's no – there's plenty of space for a picture of my character on the right-hand side. And no, it's just blank. Uh, so I, the only way I could see my character once I equip the armor and there's no quick selfie cam button or anything like that. They, I, 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 so what you have to do is you have to, uh, click on the, uh, right three button that pulls the camera back. Then you can swing it around, but it's kind of floaty from a distance. So you never really get a great screenshot of your, your character. You have to play with it for a while. Uh, and, and even then it was kind of further from a distance than I would have liked. I wanted to zoom in closer so I could have a higher resolution picture of my character to upload on Twitter. So that was a little little frustrating. I mean, it's just, why would they even take that out? Why wouldn't they just leave that in there? People like looking at their characters. They like to see how the different equipment looks on their characters. And I wanted to show off the, the, the art style of this one being more down-to-earth and gritty. But uh, I looked for like an hour straight because, of course, Skyrim, just like... Uh, Oblivion is highly moddable, so I went online to see if I could find a mod that lets you do that with your character. Just a selfie cam 
mod. You know, there should be like a selfie camera. No, can't find anywhere. So boys and girls modding community, ton of great mods out there. Saw lots of really awesome looking mods. I'm not, all I want is a mod that lets me do a great selfie cam of my character without going through four different steps with a very floaty camera that doesn't always want to cooperate. So that would be really great. Thank you in advance. Modding community. Yay. Um, Bit playing, uh, played a bit of uh, Abyss Odyssey. Speaking of side-scrolling beat 'em up RPGs, very unique style to that one. Uh, it, it, it's kind of fun. So it, so it's better than Swords and Darkness. Yes, sounds like it. Kind of fun. Yeah, makes it better. Yep, yep. But not quite as good as uh, Dragon's Crown or a number of other beat 'em up RPGs that I played. As far as it, it's got a random dungeon thing kind of going on and it, it when you first get into the quote-unquote dungeon it shows you a map layout which i believe is just completely random generated uh it'll show all these different rooms and each room is like a mini dungeon onto itself you'll beat the crap out of the enemies you'll gain levels they'll drop some items you can equip them or sell them or whatever and a very beautiful art style though but uh, the uh, you know kind of made me appreciate dragon's crown where and Dragon's Crown, I felt like everything was uh, definitely felt feels handcrafted. Even the ram, I don't know if there's ram generated stuff in there or not, but it, it feels like all the dungeons and everything are very handcrafted. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be playing a whole lot more Abyss Odyssey. And then uh, I'll give a shout for Dragon Quest Six. Like I mentioned before, it's getting back into my uh, RPG trek. I haven't actually done a log update yet, but I have been playing more. Uh, I spent like the last 10 hours in the game just grinding up, as I mentioned, down in the seabed, working up my classes. I got a lot of those maxed out. My hero, by the way, uh, Miki will appreciate this, my hero is now a ranger. So I believe once I get him capped on a ranger, he'll qualify for hero. Uh, that, that I think, if I'm remembering the FAQ correctly. Because I told you, I'm FAQ in this, 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 you know, yeah, this is just, 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 the gloves are off. The, um... Uh, yeah, you know, the, the, you got different classes in this game and, and certain classes unlike other classes. Um, on one hand, it feels a little deeper than Final Fantasy V, but on the other hand, the classes don't feel as distinct from one another like Final Fantasy V. And, and it's, they, they don't, your characters certainly don't change their looks like they do, uh, in Final Fantasy V. I like Final Fantasy V and the fact that, that, you know, your different characters look different. You know, when they're switching classes. I like little touches like that. I miss it in Dragon Quest uh, 6. So changing classes just uh, all it means in Dragon Quest 6 is my stats will change a little bit. And eventually I'll unlock some different skills for that character. And it feels much more clinical than Final Fantasy V. So, hmm. But uh, I am unlocking, like all my fighters now have the multi-slice skill. Very handy. Automatically slices every enemy in front of you for a good chunk of damage i mean it's almost as much damage as a full attack so that was worth unlocking yeah and now i'm in the uh but now now that i've gotten everybody up to like 33 or so and i've unlocked everyone's everyone's pretty much on their what i would consider like their final class of what they were going for except for the hero um some of them are actually on a whole another second like a second line of like my wizards going to go ahead and train them down the healing path as well. Why not? Extra healers are always good. So um, so now I'm finally going back into dungeons. And now I'm in an underwater shrine dungeon do, do hickey. And um, Sidon, you, you run across, I ran across Sidon's castle. And I remember running across this guy naturally without the FAQ. And he's like, hey, somebody stole this from me. You can find him to the west. Well, 
okay, you're talking about under the freaking ocean. Unless it's dead west, your chances of actually finding this this thing is like slim to none. Unless you've crawled over the entire ocean and wrote some notes down somewhere or, or got lucky. It turns out it's more like west-northwest, and it's like really far. I mean, it's it, – okay, so the map is a square, right? Sidon's castle is in the southwest quadrant. This this underwater cavern that you need to get to is actually in the southeast quadrant. Now, technically, you can get there by going – wait a minute. By going – Way west. Way west, yeah. Did he say go west or go east? Maybe he meant go uh, – whatever. But the, the world loops around – whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was just – no, I had, to, I had to look up a map online to get there. One of the frustrating aspects of being underwater – it's great for when you're grinding up levels, but it sucks when you're actually trying to find something because you trigger random encounters every seven steps. Now, my ranger hero just got safe step. Or no, wait, that's for that's for bad squares, isn't it? That's not for lowering random encounters. There's probably an item or a spell somewhere in this game that lowers random encounter. I'm gonna find it because yeah, when you're down in the water looking for the freaking cave of evil, yeah, old school RNG kicks in, and you just want to strangle the game. But now I'm in the dungeon. And yeah, working my way through that. Not too tough. No, no behemoths at least. Hmm. I would hope not. No, no, but I will beat this game. Oh yes, me. I will beat it. And then I will unceremonially skip seven and go on to eight. But Phil, <laughs> if you can tackle six, you can definitely handle seven. Oh, seven, yeah. seven is even more of what makes six so wonderful. S- seven makes my eyes bleed. It's stretched out over my television. I can't believe they haven't like ported that somehow to like bring the PlayStation 1 version to the PSP so it's portable and on a tiny screen. Not stretched over 30, whatever my TV is, 35 inches. I'm <sighs> sorry, Phil. Square Enix is busily ignoring all of your cries for help. <sighs> Pain in the ass. <sighs> Anywho, alrighty. Well, I think this is the part of the show where I remind everybody that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. You can uh, check it all out at RPGamer.com. You can listen to all of our previous shows. You can listen to our sister show, the RPG Cast. We've got another sister show, the Active Topical Banter. We've got another sister show, the Q&A Q- Quest. Q&A We've got lots of different podcasts all about what you guys want to hear about, role-playing games, computer and console role-playing games. So go and check them all out. Hours of entertainment waiting for you. Join our community. If you love role-playing games, you're listening to the RPG Backtrack, you must. If you're suffering through all of us talking for – we're clocking in at three hours now talking about these things, you must love them. So join the community that shares your passion over at rpgamer.com you can uh you can hit us up uh on twitter i'm at jc servant mr minky's at what are you jumason <laughs> Su- yes jumason jumason right and nathan are you a twitter tweeter um, not active. no nothing for nathan tell you what you can tweet me and i might pass it on to him if i feel like it um and uh hell i just uh and i tweet i tweet stuff on there all the time and speaking of uh tweeter uh twitter twitter two month to whatever there mr apps yes mr apps is being very very naughty because uh he tweeted he saw that Yeah. yeah yeah he's very very bad so he tweets out something along the lines of uh uh, you know, uh, it's gonna be uh, gonna be a long wait for the new Fire Emblem 
for the for you lot. And then he has a picture of the Japanese import or whatever that he got of Fire Emblem Fate. And I just wrote in capital letters, I period hate period you. And then he had the nerve for uh, to post a picture of uh, an animated gif of the uh, New Day, which uh, this is a totally a wrestling reference. Um, they're a bunch of uh, they 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 are very positive wrestlers. They're so positive people hate them, and uh, they're actually become heels because people just hate the fact that they're they're just too positive. And uh, yeah, and I wrote back to him, Mike App sucks. I, I mean, New Day sucks. That's the chant the audience always does. So hilarious. Join us on our Twitter chat uh, and get in on the conversation. I I also posted a, just uh, yesterday. I was cleaning out the closet. And I have these big boxes full of PC gaming manuals. And these were thick. I, I mean, these, I, I have like UFO Trilogy manual. It's like 80 pages. Pirates, Sid Meier's Pirates, the newer one that came out about a decade ago. Uh, that one's Spiral Brown. Of course, Dungeons Dragons, the Temple of Elemental Evil, Starfleet Command, Civilization Four. All these came with huge, you know, Spiral Bound manuals. I like took a quick picture and uploaded it on Twitter. So um, just say, hey, does anybody remember when PC games actually came with thick manuals to explain to you how the games work? Yeah. Anyways, join us on Twitter conversation. We'd love to hear from you. You can also hit us up through email. I'm JC Servant at Cyberlight Comics. Mike Meeky is Albert Odyssey at Hotmail.com. And forward us your comments. We'll read them on the air. You can also list five stars on Apple. Apple Podcast. Something. It's called something. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Go. Nope. Nope. Drawing wow. a blank. Yep. Drawing a blank. Apple Podcast. Something. Leave us. Leave us. Last comment. So. Alrighty. Well. Uh. Thank you very much for staying with us this long, Mr. Nathan. We appreciate it. Yeah. No problem. Glad to be back here. We are happy to have you. You are always welcome. If you backtrack to share your pain with our <laughs> listener, <laughs> Mr. Minky, put us to bed. Uh. I got nothing this time. Sorry. Good night. <laughs> White cro- White Night Chronicle sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
We.